Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday. Oh, no, don't you just get that sinking feeling? It's Monday. No, we don't. We love Monday. It's the 9th of October as we race through the year. Very shortly, Christmas carols, decking the tree. They're selling them all on the television. Every time I turn on the television, there's another Christmas programme from QVC or Ideal World or all sorts of different people. Uh, The old quid's only around for another week, unless you shop at Poundland, in which case they're going to keep taking them. I suppose because they then... You know, I mean, it doesn't make, all they're going to do is take them from you and put them into the bank. It doesn't make any difference. I'm getting loads recently, loads of old ones from Marks and Spencers. I got three yesterday, cheeky so-and-sos. Uh, Prince Charles says hunting foxes is romantic. Riveting, isn't it? Riveting. Uh, the great bin collection scandal. Do you get it once a week or twice a week? Lucky to get it at all, I think. Uh, I get it once a week on a Monday. Uh, cough with their heads. Theresa May plots the cabinet reshuffle. Will she get rid of Boris? Will he go? Will he not? Who cares? But she is going to be with LBC's Ian Dale this week and taking your phone calls. It's a bit of a coup, isn't it? Uh, you've had the musical about just about everybody else, the Spice Girls. That didn't last too long. And uh, we've had Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, which was good. Now, coming up shortly, Amy Winehouse, the musical. Presumably looking for an actress who can stand on stage and then just fall down again. Because that's about all. Who's going to go and see that? With all due respect to Amy Winehouse, you know, would the fans want to go and see a musical? So somebody who looks like Amy Winehouse, sings like Amy Winehouse. And what I mean, I don't don't quite understand what it'll be. I could understand it if it was, you know, somebody who had loads and loads of hits. I mean, I think if you're a fan of Amy, you probably know all the hits, but I, I don't know half the hits. I know a few of them and I've seen video and I've seen the interviews, but she looked off her, off her face most of the time. So whether or not that's going to be good. Oh, uh, kicked off Strictly, Reverend Coles. He was up against, I believe, Simon Rimmer, I think. Who also can't dance either. So, but normally we hang on to the buffoons and obviously Reverend Cole we got rid of. Because he was the buffoon, but he really couldn't dance. I mean, I think they're just taking the money under false pretenses. The death of the dining room. Come on, be honest. Be honest. Be totally honest with me. How many people have got a dining room that you never use? It's this, It's like the front parlour, isn't it? For those people of a certain age who've got, you know, a house. If you've got one of those Victorian houses, you go in the front door, which is in the middle. On the right-hand side will be your sitting room. On the left-hand side, or Vicky Verka, it'll be the dining room. And how many people ever use it? Nobody. Nobody ever uses the dining room unless you've got people round on a Sunday or you're doing a... The rest of the time, people eat in the kitchen. Or failing that, if you're really slovenly like me, you eat on your lap. You sit there with your food on your lap and you and you watch the tele... That's what we do now. It all, it all hinges around the television. I don't know. People use dining rooms. I used to when I lived at home with my, uh, with my parents. And on Sunday, we would... But that was the only time we used it. Sunday, when we do a roast or if we had people round... Uh, for lunch, people would come down and spend the day with mum and dad and uh, they would then go for for sort of lunch in the dining room because we had a hostess trolley. Remember the hostess trolleys? Ever so posh. Ours was on wheels. Well, it would have to be, I suppose. And uh, and you had the sort of the trays at the top and it was it was all... I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Nowadays, people go, oh, it's so naff. And you go, no, it's not. No, soda streams make it, made a comeback, so that was good. And also... In the TV lottery draw, was it 38 or 33? The ball appears to show both numbers. I mean, that's a bit odd, isn't it, really? And who's Britain's top stylist? Princess Charlotte. She's two years old. What a load of codswallop, really. Uh, Tesco put the heat under Le Creuset with a £45 orange dish. Le Creuset is very expensive 
uh, oven to tableware. Uh, I'm told it is possibly the most price you can have. I think some of the dishes are about £200, but you can literally take it from the oven, put it on the, the table and serve from it. And it looks lovely. But Tesco have done the cheap version. And it is cheap. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. Uh, Simon Rushdie says the Quran isn't very enjoyable. He's really got a death wish, hasn't he? Why don't you just diss all of it? Just diss the Bible, you know, and diss the Quran. And, you know, I mean, I don't care. I really don't care. I've, I feel that sort of the moment you mention, mention the word religion, people get up in arms over everything, don't they? You can't say that. You're dissing my religion. Whereas I was always taught, turn the other cheek. You know, da-da, like that. Much easier. Uh, why don't people write thank you letters anymore? They just don't. The only, the only person who does is um, is um, Jilly the writer. Jilly Cooper. She always writes a thank you note. Always writes a thank you note. If she comes in to do an interview with me, I can guarantee within less than a week there'll be a little handwritten note from her saying thank you so much for my interview. I mean, it's it, it's just amazing. I used to write thank you notes. We had to at Christmas. It was it was par for the course in our house. You know, you get your Christmas presents, you sit down. Your mum would sit there in her dressing gown, small glass of champagne with orange juice. It had to be orange juice and champagne. And um, and then she would make a note. OK, what, what's that, Stephen? OK, this is from Auntie Julie and Uncle Gilbert. OK, what, what have they bought you? Socks. OK, so you write down socks. And then you write your thank you note. Dear Auntie Julie and Uncle Gilbert, thank you very much indeed for the socks for Christmas. Lots of love, Stephen. And then, you, and then you sent them off. That's what you did. Nowadays, people don't bother. They sent an email. An email for everything nowadays. Uh, Thomas Schaffernacker. You know, he reads the, the news on the BBC. He, uh, he made headlines years and years ago because he posed with his shirt off. And he's, he's what's commonly known as buff. And he gave the middle thing, finger to the camera uh, once. And um, I, I, I can't... Re- Is he gay? I don't like to ask these questions because sometimes people say, I don't know, and I can't, I can't remember. All I know is he, he, he took his shirt off and people went, woo, he's fit. And, um, and then I remember thinking, is he gay? Is he not gay? I mean, it doesn't make any difference. Years ago, that, that used to be the subject. People would say, you can't say that. But I mean, you can ask a question nowadays because nobody's particularly bothered about things like that. But he has another hidden talent. Boy, does he have a hidden talent. So he, we're just having a check on the internet. He is gay. Oh, well, there you go. His talent is beyond belief. He's an artist. Wow. Is he an artist? I'm telling you, I'm looking at two pictures in the paper today. One is of, uh, of um, the Indiana Jones bloke, Harrison Ford, and the other one is of Judy Dench. I thought they were photographs. He's brilliant. He is stunningly brilliant. I mean, seriously, wasted reading the weather on the television. I mean, really wasted. He's brilliant. Really. I'm sure goes up 500 million percent, as far as I'm concerned. So well done, Thomas Schaffernacker. Uh, also, Shirley and Brendan clash over the Top Gun routine. Oh, Brendan, put your foot down. Stop throwing your toys out, dear. You're just a dancer. All right, dear. She's running the programme. And let's make sure it stays that way. Uh, also, what was the other one, actually? Oh, the, um, as I say, the, um, the bar hip toucher. This has gone on for ages in Dubai. So blokes in a bar... And he gets his drinks and he's trying to get from the bar to, must be a very busy bar, to his table. And he inadvertently puts his hand, how that happens, I don't know, on some bloke's hip, as you do. I've done that before now. You know, you sort of, you just move somebody out of it. Sorry, can you just, it's not, you're not groping them, you're just moving them to one side. Anyway, this bloke obviously complains. Next thing, he finds himself arrested. They've taken his passport away. He's been in court once. 
and uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's confined to Dubai. Don't go there. Don't go, Seriously, they're mad as broomsticks. Can't do anything, can you, in Dubai? I mean, you know, don't, don't they do touchy-touchy? And admittedly, I don't do touchy-touchy. I'm not really a tactile person. In fact, I sort of... It depends, actually. Sometimes I probably could be. Another time, most of the time, I'm absolutely not. But if you're in a bar, I've done that loads of times. Excuse me, excuse me. And you just... You don't see their face because that you're only sort of at you know, sort of shoulder height, so you don't sort of notice anybody. And he obviously moved this bloke. This bloke then makes a complaint. Obviously doing it in a bar in the first place. Russell Brand claims in the papers to have lost £10 million. He lives in a £3 million house, so we're not feeling too much sympathy. And um, and the other one... Oh, yes, I mean, I, I, seriously, there's, there's some girl from Made in Chelsea. You won't know who she is because nobody else knows who she is. And she's only in the Daily Star, so it means she really is a nobody. Uh, she wants to be a TV presenter. Or as a producer typed up, she wants to be a TV present. <laughs> Just going to wrap her up and put a ribbon round her. I love the way she goes, oh, I think I'll be a TV presenter. Of course you won't be, dear. Don't be so stupid. Listen, Spencer Matthews, that well-known plank, slight problems in the, you know, department. And um, he, um, he also thought, oh, I'll be a TV presenter. On what, dear? What on earth do you think you can present? You can barely present yourself. He's having to do naff reality shows. His parents must be so thrilled. We send their son, or they, they send their son for a very good education, and he ends up being a cheap reality show person, like any old bimbo you can drag out of Essex. I watched the Essex programme, a little bit of it. I was flipping, flipping through channels, like that, flipping through the channels, because that's what you do with a remote. That's why you don't actually get up from the settee. Before, for your exercise, you have to get off the settee, push the button, sit down. Oh, wrong channel. Up again. Now you just sit there and you push the button. The adverts come on, click. And I caught a bit of um, a bit of uh, Towie. And they were in some bar. It was a bit... Because obviously everybody in the bar, when they're filming, they all pretend they're talking so that you can hear the other people talk. Because otherwise, if it was just a normal bar, you wouldn't hear them. And it was some poor girl who's having a bit of an issue with, like, you know, a friend of hers who's been dissing her. And then there was that silly little plank, the one who looks like Bam Bam at the Flintstones with the tattoo. Pete Wicks. Oh, dear. Poor old Pete. Barely string two words together, can he? And, of course, at this moment this was filmed, he was with his girlfriend, but now he's not with his girlfriend because he's got tattoos up his neck. And I kept looking at him thinking, where do you think your life is going, love, apart from down? And then this, this girl was saying to this other bloke, well, I just don't, I th- don't think you were right. You know, if you've got something to say to me, say to me. And then, and he was going, they always use these expressions, don't they? Yeah, I thought you mugged me off. Who talks like that? Apart from prats on the television. Nobody talks like, I've never heard anybody talking like that in their life. Well, apart from Danny Dyer, but there again, he's like, you mugged me off with that bird, didn't you? Because like, you know, and I've seen him on a few programmes and I quite like him, but he finds it very difficult not to swear. Very difficult not to swear. Uh, plus, uh, what was the other one, actually? Oh, um, no sex, please. It's the census. They're not asking gender questions anymore. I have to be honest, I'm, sl- I'm not disturbed by the censor. I couldn't really care less what they are. You know, but they always ask you now. So, Mr, Mrs. I got a thing the other day. What did I fill in? Might have been something to do with a car. Or could have been something else. And it was a whole... Li- there was about 20 different titles. Mr, Mrs, Miss, Ms... And um, and, and I, half of them I hadn't even heard of. Because I... Viscount. Viscount. Probably thought you wanted a chocolate biscuit. I love a chocolate biscuit. Especially a Viscount. But they always ask you these things. Because nowadays you're either gay, straight, bisexual, transgender... What was the other one? Intersex. <laughs> Intersex. And then non-binary. I mean, what 
God's name are all these different things? I thought, you know, if you're if you're bisexual, that covers everything, doesn't it? Really, that means that you're so you're not really that fussy, and uh, and you just about say yes to anybody. But to have to put down and somebody says to you, you know, are you this? Are you that? I've had to start sort of pigeonholing myself and deciding which category I'm in. Because, to be honest with you, I think I'll just upset them and put down any old category so they can go, oh, right. Because nobody can say anything. Years and years ago, people said something. Nowadays, nobody gives us stuff. You know, people come out on the television. You know, you can guarantee when they do the, the Big Brother, there'll be, a, there'll be a trans person on there. And they go, oh, of course, I'm trans. You go, no kidding. No kidding. You know, because we, we're, we're not stupid nowadays. We can tell these things. I could tell somebody who's trans. I could tell somebody who's sort of... I can't tell bisexuals. There's no indicator, you know, if somebody's bisexual. I think I can probably tell gay. I would think that my, my gay radar is actually fairly good. Fairly good. Although I have been fooled on a couple of occasions. And, uh, but but the, the bisexuals, they just really confuse me. They really do. Because Sammy Davis Jr. was bisexual. And I only knew that because I read Linda Lovelace's book. Um, and she talked about Sammy Davis Jr., who was bisexual. And strangely enough, we talked about uh, Sammy Davis Jr. to David Hasselhoff the other day, and he said he became good friends with him. And I wanted to say, did you know he was bisexual? <laughs> but I didn't get round to saying it. So I kind of left it to one side, because it's just, it's, it's, it's sort of greed. I just think it means that you sort of like loads of people. And is there anything the matter with that? I don't know. That's what people worry about nowadays. Apparently, more young people are accessing pornography on the internet. Because in my day, you had to go into the newsagent and sort of go, um, right, uh, country life, private eye, big boobs weekly. And, uh, and you put it in... Oh, well, I didn't. But you'd, you'd sort of put it in the middle of the other magazines. And then you you get to the counter and the bloke who was selling it would go, OK, and... Um, and so, Darling, big boobs weekly, how much is that one? Oh, God. Like going into the chemist, isn't it? I'll have a tube of um, toothpaste. OK, tube of toothpaste. And um, do you have a condom? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's some, something for the weekend? What, you sell toffee? Fantastic. How cool is that? Because the only place you could ever get condoms was in the, in the place where you got your hair cut and a shave. And the barber would say to you, something for the weekend. And I used to think, God, you're selling kebabs. How fantastic. And they'd go, something for the weekend? And it, you'd go... Condoms. I used to go, do you have the luminous ones? You know, just to make it more entertaining for everybody. But if you went into the chemist to buy contraceptives... I mean, nowadays, I've seen children. I kid you not, little children. Little children. You know, they look to me about 12, 13, which they probably are. And there's a place in Twickenham which hands out free condoms to young people to encourage them to, uh, you know, a bit, bit like Christmas... You know you don't want to put the paper hat on out of the cracker, but you know it makes the occasion. It's a, it's a similar kind of thing to that. And so they go in there and they all come out with their little bags and they've got their sort of condoms in and something like that. And they think it's quite normal. Me! I'm kind of a bit prudish. I'm, I, I feel like saying to them, what else did you get in there? You know, I mean, how, how many condoms did they give you? You know, because at that age, I was still playing with toys. You know, I didn't have any idea about things like that. I mean, I just thought it was sort of a bit of a, bit of a hindrance. But, uh, of course, you learn a few years later that it's not. But, you know, that's, uh, that's something completely different. I mean, it's now we were talking over the weekend because of all my um, uh, bandages and everything else. And because I walk in to the burns unit in the hospital, 
The first thing you do is take your shirt off. Well, I've never been one for taking my shirt. If I was thin, if I was, you know, a sort of like pencil thin, I would be more than happy to take my shirt off. And then I suddenly realised they don't see me as a sex object. They see me as a piece of meat with burns. And so they don't see anything else. And then, of course, they always go, right, you've got them on your leg as well, Stephen. Yeah. OK, I'd just like to take, take your jeans off. And so you, you think, oh, God, what pants have I got on today? You have to kind of think about all these things. And so now I've kind of lost inhibitions. I'm more than happy to show people my burns and the plasters up my legs and the bruises on my... Not the bruises, the burns on my knees. But they, we've taken the plasters off. And every day I have to put this cream on. I've got this sort of cream. It's not E45, but it's something like that. It's quite expensive. And you put a little bit on because apparently it helps with the healing process. And actually, to be brutally honest, I'm not doing bad. I'm not doing bad. The only thing I want to take off is the one on my leg because it's been on since we've had the operation. That's where they took the skin from to do the skin graft. So I've got no idea what it looks like. I just know it's really getting on my nerves. And all I keep saying, every time I go in there, I go, I just want a shower. I don't want anything. I just want a shower. Please let me have a shower. But of course, whilst I've got bandages on and plasters and everything else, I can't have the shower. And the one that's holding it back is the one. Because if I had the one off the leg off, the plaster on there, then I I should be getting a little bit nearer, being able to wash, you know, from sort of waist downwards. But at the moment, it's a pain in the rear end. But I'm nothing compared to some of the people going in there. I saw a woman the other day, both legs were bandaged up, like my arm, both her arms and her neck. And I thought, God, what did you do? But uh, they do a great job. So tomorrow... We're having the plasters redone again. I just want the leg one done. But apparently the longer you leave it on, the better chance there is of it uh, healing. But as I say, you lose all your inhibitions completely. Just sit there on a bed with like three or four people faffing around, asking you questions, you know, um, how much pain is there. And I don't, I don't think they're even aware I'm sitting there in my pants. I don't think, I, seriously, I don't think they do. They just want to get it bandaged up and, and get it done as quickly as possible. But, uh, but the one on the arm's itching. Oh, God, is it itching. So occasionally you have a little little scratch like that, which I'm sure doesn't do it any harm, but on the other hand, I don't think it does it any good either. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 25 past four. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nice to be company. Hope you're well. Have a good weekend. Did you take part in the run, the half marathon? I know a number of people who did it. I sent a message to a friend of mine who did it. He, he, he said, I've got back home again. He said, I'm just going to sleep this afternoon. Because it's only, it's only 13.14 miles, isn't it? I say so. I couldn't do the 1-4 bit. But, you know, people who do marathons and half marathons, and they, they did them all over the country. I see there was one in Bournemouth, and there was one somewhere else. Then we had the one in London using four of the London parks. And it's probably great, but it just doesn't... I can't get excited about people running. I seriously can't. They always look miserable. I've never seen, you never see people running along. Ha, 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 ha. They don't do that. No, but they all look thoroughly miserable when they run. But, you know, fair play to them. Fair play to them. They obviously like it. Who is going to be seeing Amy Winehouse, the musical? I mean, is that of any interest to anybody? A woman who battled drug problems for most of her life and, you know, had to be helped on and off stage and, you know, had bouncers with her all the time. I don't know. I really don't know whether or not it's of any interest to anybody. And are they going to sanitise it or are they going to sort of put in... Everything. Is everything going to be in there? They're going to do all sort of the down bits. They're going to, how are they going to portray the boyfriends and stuff like that? The people who, who were sort of with her, but then at the same time, she probably wasn't aware that they were with her and were looking out for her. Some looked out for her, some didn't look out for her. That's the trouble when you've got somebody who's on drugs and doing as many things as she was. Uh, as they say, the good die young. Wasn't that date that everybody dies on, all these famous people? Is it 27th, isn't it? You know, Is it the 27th or the age of the age 27? All these sort of people. And you think, oh, wow. 
That's a, thank God I've passed 27, because you worry about it, don't you? And they go, oh, so-and-so died 27, and so-and-so died at the age of 27. Uh, so we, we bigged up Thomas Schaffernacker. We, uh, we like that. He's so good. I mean, he's seriously... You wait till you see the pictures in the paper today, or type it in on, on Google. Uh, also, um, what was the other one I quite liked? Oh, yes, the UK's top sperm donor. 34 children, they think he's, uh, he's fathered. God. Sounds like a Jeremy Kyle thing. And uh, some poor girl called Sophie, who jets out to her lover, 400-mile trip, he tells her it's pull-a-pig time. He's, he's basically saying you're a bit of a porker. And, uh, and she got very upset. As indeed you would, wouldn't you? Because he was taking the mickey out of it. You know, the old porkers turned up and all this kind of stuff. And so, they, 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 to make matters worse, they go into the newspapers and tell people about the story. And that's what makes it... Because then other people look at it and go, Oh, right. Oh, maybe not. And, you know, people are like that. People are like that nowadays. I would never go as far as to say somebody's a porker. I just always say my favourite expression is somebody's been eating not at the salad bar. You know, they've been eating at the pie shop quite a lot. And I know because I like the pies as well. I keep trying to find... We had a farm shop, Laverstocks, in Twickenham. And then it uh, they, they do buffalo and stuff like that. But then it, it closed down. It's now another coffee shop. Because one thing we've got in Twickenham is loads of coffee shops. And their pies, they used to do a chicken curry pie. <gasps> it was to die for. It was to die for. And I used to cook it in my halogen oven. But, of course, because I don't have a halogen oven anymore after the incident. Uh, I haven't eaten one, but I used to love it. The first time I had one, I thought, I've never seen a pie packed with so much chicken, and it was delicious. Last night, I had, I think it was Japanese beef curry. Delicious. Delicious. And I had it with uh, spring onion rice. Delicious. Delicious. Because I'm trying to eat healthily, and that probably doesn't sound that healthy to you, but for me, it's not bad at all. Uh, Dorothy in Wales, look, see you, Bach. How are you doing? says, I use my dining room and my library and my living room and my bathroom. She says, uh, <laughs> let's have the put down now. Dorothy, you've done it all by yourself. You've actually mentioned the fact that you use your dining room and your library. That'll just be a little shelf in the corner on two bricks with three books on it. And your living room, which will just be a little tiny room with a chair in it. And your bathrooms. Bathrooms. Listen, I think you're at that age where anywhere that you wash yourself becomes your bathroom. OK, so you could be standing in the garden and it's a it's a bathroom. I don't do put downs. I'm not the kind of person that says, how do you look like Dorothy in Wales? Jump in a puddle and drag yourself through a hedge. I don't do that kind of thing. That's unnecessary. Might find that on lesser programmes. On this one, we like to big people up and then once we've got them, then we knock them down. Works so much nicer like that. Dean says bin collections once a week in Blackpool. Trouble is, the whole of Blackpool's a bit of a tip, isn't it, really? So it doesn't make any difference whether they're collected. They just take it from you and dump it next door. He says, we used to use the front room in the terraced house. Never used the back room. No. I used to have a, 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 a house where it was knocked through. So the sitting room and the dining room were knocked through into one room. So I had a much bigger, a bigger room. It was a nightmare to heat. But uh, it gave you so much room. So much room. I loved it. Uh, my brother lives in Chelsea, Steve, says Pat, and has his bin emptied every day. That's people thieving it, Pat. That's people taking. Because they go to Chelsea and they go, it's a better class of rubbish. That's what they do. Uh, uh, Ian uh, says, has the prankster Lee Nelson ruined his chance of getting a knighthood? I think he was described by Graham Norton as that prat on the television. He's, uh, you know, he's just, he's just a bit naff. He's just a little bit naff. But it highlighted security, didn't it, I suppose? 
Uh, Marilyn says, I quite like your new saying, terminally stupid. No, 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 I've been using that for about the past 30 years. I also uh, use the other expression, which is stupid yet savable. You know, that means that, you know, somebody is a bit stupid, but they might be savable. I like that. Dennis says, working in Altrincham today, travelling up from Essex. So I get to listen to the whole show. Blimey, you're lucky, I tell you. That's a rarity in this day and age. Oh, I'm late again. Do you know, I'm getting worse and worse with these times. I mean, the clock could not be bigger. You know, if we were going on size on this programme, mine would be fairly... I mean, that's a good... More than 12 inches, anyway, across. And I've got digital, and I've got one in front of me. So, I mean, there's no excuse, is there? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 25 minutes to uh, five. Philip in Bournemouth says, my girlfriend's a babe. You've seen the film. Actually, do you know, strange enough, it was on the television the other day. I still like it. I still like it. And then the other film they showed was Annie. I was talking about it the other day. I turn on, and on Channel 4 or whatever it was, they're, they're, showing, uh, they're showing Annie. Uh, Mike says, I was told in hospital to wrap the parts that needed to be drying cling film and shower away. Yeah, no, I can't do that. I've got cling film underneath the, uh, the plasters. But at the moment, until I get the OK, I'm doing nothing. I'll just have to, uh, to wait. Uh, Trisha says, good morning. Morning, Trisha. Everybody up this morning. I don't like people to be late on this programme. That's why we have this uh, this huge spike, uh, which means basically that everybody is listening to this programme. Come four o'clock, up goes the uh, the spike. Uh, Steve, you should catch up uh, on Who Do You Think You Are from last week. You'll learn a lot about your favourite city, Veen, from Ruby Wax. I saw it. I saw it, actually. I've talked to Ruby many, many times before. And she did her one-woman show just round the corner at the Leicester Square Theatre. And of course, come January, I'm going to be at the Hippodrome with the sellout show, Dancing Girls, Elephants, you know, Porpoises, you know, everything, Balance. Oh, God, it's going to be amazing. It'll be like a circus show, I think. Not. <laughs> be Steve Allen. And they'll be saying to me, so do you want a chair, handheld mic or clip-on mic? And I always go clip-on mic. It's so much easier. So much easier. Uh, other stories in the papers today. There's a picture of, uh, well, you'll never know who the movie goddess is on the front of the Daily Mail. Um, unless you check inside, because you look at her and you go, I wonder who that is. She looks a little bit like Gladys Aylward, who uh, was the subject of a film called The Inn of the Sixth Happiness. You'll all remember it if you're over a certain age. She was a missionary in China. It's a true story. But this particular lady here uh, was, was very glamorous at one time, and I suppose could be seen as being glamorous again. But when you look at the pictures, you would not know. And I'll tell you who it is. It's Rackle Welsh. That's a picture of Rackle Welsh. How old do you think Rackle Welsh is now? 77. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't know why we should get excited about people being 77. Heavens above. It's just, uh, you know, but it is, it is amazing that I saw... Who did I see on the television the other day being interviewed? It might have been Arlene Phillips. And Arlene's getting on a little bit now. And there's a few other people on the television of a certain age. And you think, you still seem to be holding it together. Thomas Schaffernacker, the more I look at these pictures, in the mail today, page nine, you'll have a look at a picture of Harrison Ford and you'll go, it's a photograph. No, it's a drawing. And Judy Dench, it's a, he's brilliant. He's absolutely, he could make a huge amount of money through doing portraits of people. I mean, seriously, wasted reading the weather. Absolutely wasted, Thomas. You know, these, these pictures are stunningly brilliant. Ab- I mean, stunningly, even even beyond brilliant. Even beyond brilliant. Phil Vickery's up this morning. Oh, must be something for this morning, I should imagine. What recipe have we got today? What can we do today? A winter... Wa- I think we must be getting to the stage where fish pie 
a loverfish pie, you know, which has got sort of prawns, a bit of haddock, you know, some white fish and stuff like that, and then topped with mashed potato and cheese. That always sounds good. That made me feel quite hungry, actually. Uh, but as I don't have the halogen oven, we're not going to be doing it. Uh, the married cops uh, who sold car crash victims' data for £363,000. This is Nigel Munger and his wife. They looked up the names of road accident casualties on the police computer where he, he and his wife, Nicola, both worked as police constables. They then sold the details onto no-win, no-fee claims management firms who cold-called the accident victims to urge them to seek compensation. And they pocketed the cash because they're bent. They're bent. pair of bent coppers. And uh, what amazes me is that all they got here was two-year jail sentence suspended for two years in order to carry out 300 hours of unpaid work. So do we get the money back or do we not? Have this thieving pair managed to spirit it away? But um, they, they say here, he set up his own business, personal injury company, to sell his leads on. But he'd use the police computer. My God, there's nothing worse than rotten apples in the barrel. But even when the licence was revoked, he failed to stop. Instead, he applied to set up another, paying the registration fee with a cheque signed by his wife to avoid any problems. He and his wife from Liverpool were sacked by Lancashire police after being found guilty of a string of disciplinary charges, including breaching standards of professional behaviour in the areas of honesty and integrity and discreditable conduct. I mean, he's just another bent copper. Dreadful, isn't it? Absolutely dreadful. And gets away with it, because he does get away with it. So he's lost his job. Who gives us stuff? You don't want people like that in the, uh, in the police force. But I should imagine... There's probably loads of coppers like that who are sort of cheating the system. They don't think they're going to get caught, but sadly, many of them do get caught. There are some who probably get away with it for ages and ages. Phil says, sounds good, but I'm cooking roast squash, red onion and blue cheese. Wait a minute, I've lost the other little bit of it. Wait a minute. I just downloaded a new um, a new app for my iPhone and it's changed everything. The writing's so much bigger, so much easier. It's also got a feature on it now to make sure that you don't use the... Um, the phone whilst you're driving but there again it doesn't make any difference I've got hands free in the car it rings I push a button on the steering wheel and I can talk to people uh, so Phil says um, he says I'm doing roast uh, squash red onion and blue cheese tart with watercress and pine nuts no uh, <laughs> it's not the same is it but I tell you what that uh, that uh, chicken curry pie Absolutely delicious chicken. Oh, it's the, the the combination of chicken, curry sauce, and pastry. Oh, worked a treat for me. I like um, I like a tart, Phil. I like a tart. Roast squash. Actually, it, it probably tastes an awful lot better. It just to me, it, it sounds like we're doing sort of veggie and vegan stuff, and I'm I kind of go off that a little bit, which is probably you know much to my embarrassment. Blue cheese. Is that the blue cheese with the veins that go through it? And that's done by, don't they put electrodes in or something? Blue cheese. I'm, not, I'm a bit funny about cheese. I've never had goat cheese till about six months ago. I'm, I'm not saying I eat it all the time, but it, it, I can now vary my diet with little things. But I try to stay away from cheese because somebody said it's really fattening. But, uh, but uh, I like the idea of squash, roast squash. That would be cooked for a little while, isn't it? Because squash is really, really hard. And so red onion and blue cheese with watercress and pine nuts. Where'd you get? I don't even know where you get pine nuts from. Do you go to the supermarket and get pine nuts? Is that how it works? I don't know. But I love a tart. I bought some. When did I get them in Marks and Spencer? I've not seen them for ages. They uh, they do. 
um, they do, what is it? It was like a, a goat cheese tart with caramelised onions and tomato. They were only little, and you got two in the pack. God, they were delicious. So let's have a look here. Uh, oh, Mark, uh, my producer for In Conversation, we had Hugh Fernley Whittingstall in, and uh, and he uh, he had a book out, which is all vegetables and everything else. So I gave it to Mark because he's vegan. And he emailed, Mark did, he says, uh, you absolute genius, so tasty, red peppers, sweet potato, pineapple, hot pot, with quinoa and kale with lime juice. Easy to make and very yummy. Because now he's gone vegan, you know, we weren't really sure, we can't give him anything at all, he can't have sweets, he can't have cakes, all the usual stuff, bless his heart. Phil Vickery says you get pine nuts from the co-op. <laughs> Only Phil Vickery would know that, wouldn't he? Where'd you get them from, the co-op? Uh, I've not been to the co-op for... I don't even think we've got a co-op anymore around our way. What have we got? We've got all the usual ones. We've got Waitrose. That's got loads of stuff. And uh, what else we got? We haven't even got an Aldi. You have to go to Hounslow for an Aldi. And, uh, and or Kingston as well. Uh, three and four of us have bins empty just once a fortnight. Oh, here's a story. Now, this is, this is very apropos, and I'll, I'll mention this now. I can't tell you who it involves, because they might be listening to the programme. But it may seem self-defeating, but two-thirds of householders admit they tidy their home before the cleaner comes. Now, a friend of mine from years and years ago, the cleaner used to come round. He would quickly whiz round, dusting everything, and he had a gardener. And he would tidy up the garden before the gardener came. So the garden gardener just cut flowers and took them home. But anyway, the figure is even higher for those with children, of whom 80% are too ashamed to let the hired help see the state of their home. Because some friends of mine, their uh, son got up the other day, been out late, and, uh, and they said, the cleaner's coming in. Have you, have you made your bed? T- tidied your room? So you have to tidy the room before the cleaner gets there. Doesn't that defeat the object? And the answer is you don't want the cleaners to think that you're really messy. And so he had to tidy his bedroom. Ridiculous. He said, the cleaner's coming round. He said, and I've got to tidy my, my bedroom. <laughs> I said, that, well, listen, they are, you know, you are not alone. Loads and loads of people do that. Loads and loads of people do that. Uh, pictures of the paper today are the shocking moment a thief sprayed acid into the mouth of a terrified shop worker. They, they have to get these people and throw them into prison and get them there as quickly as possible. Tesco putting the heat under Le Creuset. Did you hear this one, Phil? Le Creuset, as you know, that you probably have a set of this at home. But uh, Tesco have now got a £45 orange dish. So, in other words, uh, a Japanese-style knife, Le Creuset, is £100. Tesco, 12 Saucepan, 16 centimetres. Le Creuset, 125 quid. Tesco, £28. We are seriously talking difference here. Uh, cast iron round casserole dish. 4.2 litres, 199 from Le Creuset, 45 pounds, Tesco. Cast iron oval casserole dip. What's the difference? Cast iron, oh, oval or, or round, uh, 220 for Le Creuset, 45 quid for Tesco. Rectangular roasting tin, 140 quid, Le Creuset, 14 pounds in Tesco. Round bake tin, 22 pounds, Le Creuset, Tesco's 11 quid. The Crusade was not available for comment. They are terribly expensive. But it, it's the kind of thing that you probably aspire to. If, you, if you're a cook, if you're somebody who cooks or you're a chef or something like that, there would be Le Creuset because it, it is oven to tableware and it looks smart as well. But Tesco, I mean, basically, they've just nicked the idea, haven't they? That's all it is, really. They've just done it. And so they, they've undercut. And uh, what they're doing is 
you've got to be careful because, as Phil Vickery says, if you drop these things, they break. They break. He isn't a chef, by the way. Phil is a cook. There's a difference. There's a, there is a difference. A lot of people say, oh, so-and-so's a chef, and they go, no, no, I'm a cook. I don't know what they do. I think chefs work in restaurants and cooks work on, on television. <laughs> do they work on television? I don't know, Phil. I don't know. But, I mean, you're right. If, if you drop these things, and, of course, me being accident-prone, I'm bound to drop things, aren't I, on my foot. So I'd probably break toes at the same time, and the dish would go, and everything in it. So I'd probably break my toes, burn myself to pieces. That's all I need. But, I mean, that's it. So that's, it's, you know, it's a lot of difference in price. I can't imagine spending £100 on a knife, but I know that chefs take their own knives around when they go around to kitchens and they've got their own set of knives with them. That's apparently, you know, that's the way it works. But as far as I'm concerned, the only thing you need in a kitchen is a pair of scissors. I've got kitchen scissors. I use it for everything. I cut meat, sausages, uh, vegetables, everything, all done with a pair of scissors. So I go out there and every so often I buy three pairs of scissors, which cost me about 10 quid in, um, in um, Costco. And, um, and that's it. Plus, uh, when they chip says Phil, these things, they go rusty because they're cast iron. So what they are is they're cast iron, then they're sprayed. But if you chip it, that's going to rust. And once it goes rusty, you don't really want it, do you? I don't know whether you can get the things that repair it. Salman Rushdie, in the papers, the Quran is not very enjoyable. Oh, my God. Distance yourself from Salman Rushdie. Stay well away from him. Have they still got a fatwa out on him? Or a thin war or something? I don't know. Is it... Is that gone now? They've they, they finally sort of decided that it doesn't really make any difference. You just have to put it down to the fact that... Uh, I mean, do you know he wrote the Satanic Verses 30 years ago? 30 years ago. He spent more than a decade in hiding uh, after his blasphemous novel led to a Muslim leader putting a price on his head. And uh, he says the big difference between the Old Testament, the New Testament and the Quran is that the Quran has the least narrative of them. He's 70 he had 24-hour police protection. The Iranian government backed the fatwa against him until 1998, when the succeeding government of the Iranian president, Mohammad Khatami, says it no longer supported the killing of Rushdie. However, the fatwa remains in place. Really? I mean, you know... Just... Oh, I don't know where you go with something like that. The answer is you've got no idea. And uh, the sunken World War II ship, one of the survivors has said, leave it resting where it is at the moment and uh, this is the ship in which 820 British soldiers drowned. Dennis Morley who's 97 was on board the Lisbon Maru when Japanese guards sealed the ship's hatches trapping hundreds inside while it was sinking. He's thought to be the last survivor of the horror and uh, I think this is four miles from the island of Dongfushan in the East China Sea. Notice the pronunciation there. I'm getting better at this kind of thing. Dongfushan. Yes, and so they've decided to leave it there because it would be a war grave. Leave it. Leave it, please. Much easier. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, you're very nice to be company. So in my day, in my day, there's somebody talking who finds solace sitting in bus shelters and getting a good conversation. But uh, LBC didn't have computers. We didn't have any computers at all. The information came from Vivian Fowle, who looked after our uh, reference Library, which was just, you know, I don't know, about 15 foot by 8 foot tall and had loads of reference books in there. So if you wanted to know something, uh, Charlie Rose would cut things out of the papers every day and we had box files with all sorts of things. Then the computer came along and changed things dramatically, but we didn't have computers. The first computer we had in the studio was 
exactly the same as we've got now, except it was a very basic form. It was in orange. I remember that the writing was in orange, and it would put up the names of the people who were calling in to phone-in programmes. So, so somebody would answer the phone, then they would sort of type up the other side, and it would appear in the, in the studio. We thought that was quite innovative, because up until then, we'd had the name written on a piece of paper and held up at the window. We used to get through tonnes of paper. The producer would write down Mary Potter's Bar and hold it up at the window, and you'd go... Mary in Potter's Bar. Then we got this this communicative system, which was sort of typing the names on there. And you could put cues up and all sorts of things if you were going into into features. But the one thing that we all survived on, and in the corner of the newsroom, was a pile of broken old typewriters. Everything was typed. When the computer came along, you could do it on there. You could save the scripts. You could print off. You could do anything. On the typewriter, the paper was triple. Yellow was the first... You remember all this stuff, don't you? Yellow was the first copy, which went to the presenter. The middle one went to the engineer. And the last one went in the actual tape as a, as a file thing, because it was all on, on tape. Well, apparently typewriters are making a comeback. That was the reason I mentioned it, is that typewriters are making a comeback. And I remember there was a little typewriter for children called a petite, petite typewriter. And it was, it was, it was to teach kids the basics of learning to type. You know, the quick brown fox jumped over the whatever it was. And uh, and I, I can type, but only with two fingers. Only with two fingers. I, I see a keyboard. I know where I can spell my own name because it's left-hand side for the S, up to the slightly to the right for the, for the T, backwards for the E, down for the V, back up for the E again. Uh, a is offer on the, uh, the left-hand side. And so you learn that over... But it's taken donkey's years. I was always in admiration. My mother typed. She would type all her letters... And everything else, and then sign them at the end, you know, and Jean or whatever it happened to be. Well, it was Jean, because that was her name. Uh, Before this, to sign it, Mary. But anyway, she she, uh, typed. But she could type without looking at the keyboard. And I can remember thinking, well, that's really clever. She could also do shorthand. She went on the Pittman's course, and she had a book of shorthand. So she could, uh, you know, people could dictate to her, and she could just write things down again. And it was was terribly, it it was terribly brilliant. Terribly brilliant. So, and I remember thinking, there was a guy who used to do the, um, the financial news, Douglas Moffat, at LBC years ago. And Douglas used to be able to type without looking at the keyboard. He could be having a conversation with you. And I used to think, well, how does that work? How brilliant. And this is a portable typewriter here. This is, um, well, it's quite nice, actually, isn't it? £199.99. I reckon you could get that cheaper. This is an 11-inch I don't know, I expect more for 11 inches. Don't you really? I mean, it doesn't seem that big at all. But you get also the uh, the tape you put in there and then a piece in there, which was like a bit of Tipex you'd put in. 199 I reckon you'd get much, much cheaper than that on Amazon as a brother. Because we had the manual type. We were all manual typewriters. Then they brought out electric typewriters, which had a daisy wheel on it. And that was, I mean, that was absolutely brilliant. That was absolutely... Regina Fong, by the way, Warren, is the answer you're looking for. Regina Fong. OK, that was that was the one who did Skippy and the typewriter. It used to take place in the White Swan, which was the pub that Michael Barrymore came out in all those years ago. There you go. I found... Oh, it's a typewriter sleeve for £19. No, you can get you can get an old... Wow, that's cheap, isn't it? Is that an old typewriter? Oh, it's a poster of a typewriter. There's a shop in London. Oh, no, that's sewing machines, isn't it? But, I mean, no, typewriter, you can pick up... I've still got my mother's typewriter. Isn't that odd? I've still got it. I haven't used it, obviously, but I've, I've just kept it. 
I don't know why. There's no reason why I've kept it. It's not on display or anything like that. I've just sort of kept it. There you go. That's a, a vintage black continental portable typewriter for £76.45. Working condition. That's lovely. I wonder what year that's from. I wonder what year that is. It just says vintage. Could be anything. Oh, there's loads of them. Good God. Loads of vintage typewriters. Because everybody had them. Everybody had typewriters. Now, of course, oh, from the, from the 1930s. Oh, God, honestly. Happy days. But anyway, they're making a comeback. That was the story. Nothing else to go with the story about from them making a comeback, and people uh, people quite liked them. They they were sort of good fun. I bet I bet Phil Vickery had a had a a typewriter years ago. Everybody had one. Everybody had a, had a typewriter. But uh, it's, uh, anyway, you enjoy yourself, Phil, with the typewriter uh, because it, uh, there used to be a, a a piece of music on the radio, and I think it was called the typewriter. Did a little 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 did a little 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 did a little little because you used to have to move the bar along so you would hit it sideways. And I think it was called the typewriter. And people used to do it. Dum 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 so it went on. And everybody in the White Swan and the Hammersmith and many of the other gay pubs they would do the typewriter and it went a little bit like this together. Ready? Here we go. We're in the typing pool and... Thank you. <laughs> That's how it went. And you get like a hundred guys in this bar all doing the typewriter. It was so funny. It was by Leroy Anderson. Leroy Anderson. Same things you learn on this pro. You'll be going, I remember the typewriter. Because it was, it was big. Coming up to the news at five o'clock, it's Monday morning. I know you don't want to go to work, but I promise you, once you're up and you've had a shower, you lucky devils, uh, you will feel a lot better about life. Once you've had a cup of coffee, you'll feel a lot better about it. Once you've had a piece of toast with a bit of Marmite on or a bit of peanut butter. Marmite seems to be better, doesn't it? But I can't... I've got a big jar of Marmite. I can't get into it. I got it for free. We did a thing on the programme ages ago, about a year ago. Still got it. And, um, and it, it said... Um, uh, it said, if you go to Iceland, you get a free pot. So I rushed in there first thing in the morning, just as it was opening. Marmite, Marmite, where's the Marmite? Oh, there you go, free one. They only had about six pots of it, and I got one of them. I was very lucky. But I've still got it, because Marmite lasts for donkey's years. Ridiculous. OK, very silly suds at Dove, the soap firm. They said sorry. I mean, somebody's an idiot. They've got an advert with a black woman washing herself with Dove. When she takes her, her top off, she's white. Did not somebody think maybe that was going to be grossly offensive? Obviously not. Uh, no sex, please. It's the census. The gender questions have been axed. Also, if you shop at Poundland, they're not bothered about the old pound coins. They'll, they'll carry on taking them. Prince Charles says hunting foxes is romantic. Kieran Haler, his former girlfriend, is spending 100 grand on plastic surgery to look like Katie Price. Why would you want to spend that amount of money trying to look like that? Doesn't beg a belief, does it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Monday morning, 9th of October. Steve Allen's early breakfast. Best way to start the day. Kind of sort of gives you a little bit of a lift and sort of... You know, you might be feeling a bit, you know, sort of hangover or something like that after the weekend. You might have jetted back in from another country going, oh, I feel dreadful. There's no easy way, is there, to do flying. There is no easy way to sort of get off the other end. I mean, whenever I come back in on the Eurostar, on the few occasions I've been on it, and lovely it is, all I think is, oh, I'm the other side of London. 
It's not like I've sort of got off Eurostar and walked in through the front door. It doesn't happen like that. It's a case of you've got to get all the way to Waterloo and then Waterloo you've got to get home and everything else. But it doesn't really matter, does it? The great bin collection scandal is in the papers today. Apparently some people have got to wait every two weeks. I don't know why. We, we, we have collections every week. There's no sort of problem. Mind you, you get people now who cheat and just put it out by the side of the road because because uh, they're too bone idle. I know some shops as well. I know one particular shop in Twickenham where they throw it in other people's bins. I might name them actually on the programme soon. Uh, Louise Redknapp droning on about her boring marriage. Who cares? Who cares? Keep your mouth shut. Get on with your job. We're not interested. OK, get the message. We're not interested. Theresa May uh, plotting the cabinet reshuffle. Is she? You'll be able to ask her. She's going to be on LBC tomorrow with uh, Ian Dale. They'll be opening up the phone lines. You can ask her, are you going to be having a cabinet reshuffle? Are you getting rid of Boris? What happens if Boris says, I'm not going? That was raised earlier on, wasn't it? I'm not going. Why not? Uh, don't bother going to Dubai. You can't do anything in Dubai now. There's nothing appealing about it. Apart from the fact it's hot, they've got luxury hotels and they've got shopping and everything else. But woe betide if you inadvertently touch somebody in a bar as you're trying to get back to your table with drinks. Why they don't have waitress service, I don't know. But uh, one man has found himself in a whole lot of trouble because he inadvertently touched somebody's hip as he was trying to get back to his table with his uh, drinks. Uh, also, uh, Ryan Scare, the airline safety engineer, snapped pranking next to the jets. You do worry, don't you, about Ryanair, about how much longer it's going to sort of creak on. Uh, Tesco putting the heat under Le Creuset. These are dishes, but they're very heavy, very heavy. Pat says I gave mine away. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they really are very heavy, but Tesco's undercut them. But, as Phil Vickery pointed out, these things are cast iron. If you drop it, it will, it will crack. Sometimes it chips, and then, because it's cast iron, it will rust. And that's one thing you don't want. Uh, Shirley and Brendan on Strictly clash over a Top Gun routine. Brendan's obviously one of the little dancers on there. La, 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 la. And Shirley went, no, she didn't, uh, didn't like it. So, that's that. so they then have an argument. I don't know why, Brendan. I mean, you know, you're on borrowed time. I just sort of keep quiet. Reverend Cole got his marching orders. So he he, dis- he was up against Simon Rimmer. He was another one who can't dance for Toffee. In fact, there's more people who can't dance on that programme than can dance on the programme. Uh, Britain's top stylist is Princess Charlotte, aged two years old. Apparently, because people... Dre- I mean, people must sit at home with naked children going, uh, what, what, what's Prince George wearing and Princess Charlotte? Oh, let's go and buy that. And then they appear in an outfit. The next thing, you can't get hold of the outfit. It's odd, isn't it? My mouth's watering, Steve. What's the make of the chicken curry pie? I don't. Well, it's, it was Laverstock Farms. I think you can get them in uh, Waitrose, but I'm not sure if they're doing those pies. That was delicious. It really was a chicken curry pie. Oh, God, you could eat a whole one. They did them in two sizes. Uh, normal and then Steve Allen size, which is sort of nice. Uh, Tesco's do a nice feta spinach and roasted pepper tartlet. On their deli. I've got one in the fridge, says Teresa, waiting to be devoured. I'm a former vegan, but uh, cheese lured me back in. You're not very good, are you? You're not very good. You need to get that Hugh Fernley Whittingstall book. A cleaner only cleans a house. A housekeeper does tidying and cleaning. All right. Uh, John says it was uh, interesting to hear about the Amy Winehouse musical. I'll be giving that one a miss. Uh, What chance for Peter Andre West End production when his music career comes to an end? Now, this, I did this yesterday, and I'm only going to do it again for you now. Because, yes, when it comes to an end, the producer says, yeah, I know. Because you remember a short while ago, Peter Andre, whose coffee shop has closed, you know, loads of things with Pete last about two minutes, 
and uh, and they sort of try and sell him to somebody. All he does is just turn out children, but he needs to work to finance it. So they then announced that Pete's going to be doing a tour of Australia. It's been 20 years since he's toured Australia, uh, and he's going to do the greatest hit tour because there's not enough to do a concert, quite clearly. And so it was booked in. They put all these dates in, all these different places, and I thought, well, that's interesting. <sighs> Can't see anybody being interested. Anyway, it's been cancelled. It's been cancelled. Do you know why it's been cancelled? They, You get two different versions of this story. The story from Australia is that they haven't sold enough tickets to warrant doing it, which means that... And they weren't big venues. He's not playing stadiums or anything like that. It's like scout huts. Little places, you know, Pete, yeah, mysterious girl. Is that it, mate? Oh, Christ, could have stayed in the bar. But anyway, the reason his management have given over here is because he's got television commitments. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, so you've got television commitments and yet you went ahead deliberately misleading fans who bought tickets, because there might be a few Peter Andre fans, in Australia. So if this thing had been a sellout, he'd have told them all to go whistle because he's got 60-minute makeover to do. Somebody's lying somewhere. Because you wouldn't book in a tour if he's got a television commitment here. So, in other words, they were prepared to tell the fans to do one because they're not interested. So, But he hasn't sold enough tickets to, for it to make any difference because the fans just went, oh, right, oh, so he, he, is, is he not coming? No, he's not coming. He's got 60-minute makeover to do. The programme where Peter Andre looks like the world's biggest lemon, where they put him in a pair of dungarees. He doesn't know how to do it. He can't paint. He can't do anything. I mean, he really is a simpleton. We're talking about somebody who just sort of... They, they stick him in dungarees to try and make it look as though he's sort of a Tommy Walsh. But he can't do anything at all. So that's that's what annoyed me more than anything else. I was annoyed that they announced it. You know, the big tour, Peter Andre, tickets on sale. And all the time they're going, oh, don't worry, we've got 60-minute makeover to do. So we, we don't care about you. Because you'd have known. You'd have said to the 60-minute makeover people, listen, he can't do it then because he's touring in Australia. No, they're prepared to ditch the handful of people who bought tickets, so he can do 60-minute makeover. Somebody's telling porky pies, aren't they, somewhere? It was like Bross. OK, will you be rescheduling the concert? No, because there was no interest. Bross sold out about one and a half, you know, O twos because that was about as good as it got, I'm afraid. There was lots of curtaining off. And the rest of the shows were all cancelled. And they haven't rescheduled. They've said with Peter Andre, we'll be rescheduling in 2018. Should we all wait and watch on that one? Because I have a sneaking feeling they won't be. They're hoping that by 2018 you might have forgotten about it. You know, because... But if something better comes along, like Pete gets a cleaning job or something, or turns out another baby, got another baby with M's, and M's got a column in OK magazine, so in fact, uh, actually at the moment, she's working more than he is. Slightly disturbing, isn't it? But as I say, it's just a load of old hogwash. load of old hogwash. 84850, steve at So that's why, you know, Peter Andre, the musical, is not going to be happening anytime soon. And Amy Winehouse, the musical, I just don't know who would go and see it. If you're a fan of Amy Winehouse, what do you want to watch? You want to watch her breakdown. You want to watch that because they'll presumably be doing things that you weren't privy to. You know, we saw it on stage when they said, don't give her booze, don't give her booze, don't give her anything at all. And then she dies by herself. Are they going to show that on stage? What are they going to do? I'm not sure about it. Would have been John Lennon's 77th birthday today, says Graham in Ryslip. Well, yesterday was LBC's 44th birthday. I've done 38 of them. 38. Joined in 1979. I was a child, of course. Very young person in a pram. And, uh, yes, yesterday was LBC's 44th birthday. So today is John Lennon's. 
77th birthday would have been. I wonder what he would have been doing now. I wonder what he would have been doing. Would he still have been turning out music? Would he still have been of, of interest to people? I think so. Hopefully he would have come over and I could have done him for in conversation. It's always been my, you know, much to my sort of embarrassment that I never actually got any of the Beatles. I'd have loved to have talked to uh, George Harrison. Love to have talked to John Lennon. I'd like to talk to Paul McCartney. He's sort of... I, I like Paul McCartney, the fact he's still going. Ringo Starr's a bit difficult, isn't he? He's sort of... He, he has sort of slight sort of differences with sort of different people. Chuff, 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 said Thomas. We like Ringo Starr. Uh, Sheila says, Today's an important day for me. After spending nearly nine months in a women's aid refuge, I'm going to see a fully adapted flat. Wow. As I have MS. Hopefully my new home. Very excited. Well, good luck to you, Sheila, today. That is exciting. That's almost as good as Christmas and a birthday. That's as good as Christmas and a birthday. So uh, so good luck. I hope you like it. It'd be awful if you get there and go, I don't like it. <laughs> you will. You'll like it. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. Absolutely. Uh, somebody says uh, here, loving the programme. Thank you. We love doing the programme for you every morning. Uh, the other one, I can't believe that Dove, the makers of this soap, actually have got an advert featuring a black woman who's washing herself and then turns into a white woman. I mean, have they lost all sense of the occasion? Are they so stupid, so dumb? They've actually pulled the advert. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Absolutely unbelievable, isn't it, that somebody would actually do that? What, you think the colour rubs off or something? Is that what they're saying? Yes, that's exactly what they're saying. Uh, The FA... That's the Football Association, law unto themselves, warned of the risk for people heading... But you don't see people heading balls anymore, do you? I mean, I don't know, I've not been to... A, oh, you do? OK. I've not been to a football match ever in my entire life. I've seen a few on the television. God, it looks boring. Who goes to football matches? I mean, you know, Accrington Stanley, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, I think aptly named, and uh, Chelsea... And all these other places, these overpaid footballers. And, and then the papers get hold of something that they've done, some misdemeanour. And that was... Uh, yesterday we had a footballer who had been to see a escort. Four escorts. He paid £500 for each of them. And then demanded his money back at the end. What were they drinking? Baileys. Two bottles of Baileys. Bit girly, isn't it, for a footballer? Good Lord above, honestly. Anyway, we'll have the uh, the papers this morning, and uh, I must thank you again. I thanked everybody yesterday, and I shall do it again for for Friday, and the fact that we raised three and a half million pounds, which was fantastic for for Globals Make Some Noise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was. I mean, you've you've done something that you know is going to see you through for another year. You've done your good bit, your good deed. We were very pleased. It was it was fantastic. It was it was amazing. We sold out our show at the Hippodrome very quickly. So I was quite. You always get worried every time it comes around to it. It's almost like what was I thinking about the other day? There was something. That's right. Somebody sort of says, you know, so so when when you actually sort of put a show on sale. Do you sort of wonder how long it's going to take to sell it out? And I say, always worry about how long it's going to take to sell it out. But then when it sells out quickly and people come back and they go, oh, by the way, you, you've sold that show out. And you go, oh, good. That's, that's quite nice. So I'm looking forward to seeing you all in January. I'm hoping to be a lot thinner by the time we get to January. And you'll be going, God, Lord, doesn't it look amazing? Uh, the Sun this morning, front page headline, Louise Wire left Jamie. Go away. Go away now. We don't care about you. OK, just drone on about your boring existence. I couldn't care less. Naff singer 
naff footballer, not really the greatest commentator I've ever seen or pundit, and uh, why you left Jamie. I couldn't care less, dear. Why don't you keep something in your life private? You know, apparently Daisy Lowe told us she was gorgeous. Don't care. All right, get the message. Good. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Front page of the Daily Star. Oh, God, Louise Redknapp again. Do me a favour, please, love. Please, 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 go away, go away, stay well away. Why is it people want to bore the pants off everybody with their dreary lives? So, girl in little band, not the most exciting member of it, Eternal. I mean, she was sort of the least exciting person. Uh, Marries footballer, lives in big, expensive house, uh, discovers Daisy Lowe, leaves footballer and takes wedding ring off. End of story. That's it. Who cares? Russell Brand I'm more interested in. He claims he's skint. I don't believe he can. How can you get rid of 10 million? I don't know. Ask Boris Becker. He managed to get rid of 55 million. Well, it varies, actually, between 45 and 55 million pounds. And I keep thinking, if somebody gave you and you had a fortune of 55 million pounds or 50 million, how would you ever lose it? How would you ever get rid of it? He lives in a three million pound house, so I'm not I'm not sure. And also, he's a little bit worried about... He's a bit teeny tiny in the downstairs department. I mean that in the nicest possible way. And, of course, we know that because we saw him sitting in a bath with somebody. And I remember I sent another sympathy card. I sent, I've sent quite a few in my life, actually. One went to Keith Chegwin. Well, I sent it to Maggie Philbin, but it's the same kind of thing. And, uh, and I've now had to send one to Russell Brand as well, poor little soul. But he's, he's managed to lose his £10 million. And you think, well, you know, these people earn a lot of money. It's like celebrities who then declare themselves bankrupt. And you think, well, you've spent the money. You've earned it. If you've earned the money, that's why they come after you, because you've got to pay tax on it. But, of course, they don't want to pay tax on it. So they go, oh, I've spent it. So they just go bankrupt. And now there's no, there's no real shame in it. It's just that they can't be bothered, because that's for peasants like you. Was it Leona Helmsley in America? Only little people pay taxes. So they shoved her in prison, the old bag for cheating on taxes. Mind you, there was another company in the paper the other day on a turnover of £657,200,000 tax. Uh, who was that? I can't remember who it... Airbnb. What are they? I don't know what they are. Are they a, a bed and breakfast? Bed and breakfast. It just sounded like that, didn't it? Oh, you book a room for holidays, right. So on £657,000, something like that, £200,000 tax. They've done it all above board, but I don't know how, how complicated it becomes. They've said that they, they've paid what they're supposed to pay. God, honestly, I wish I could find an accountant like that one. Uh, was it number 38 or 33 on the lottery? The ball appeared to show two numbers. Appeared to show 38 and 33. It's a bit of, a, bit of an odd one as well. And um, what was the other one? Oh, yes, the... Um, this this 400-mile trip heartbreak for some poor girl called Sophie. I feel a bit sorry for her because she was obviously... She was, she was quite um, smitten with this young man. And, uh, and so he then sort of invites her out to go and see him. And, um, and she, uh, then he, he actually sends her this note going, You were pigged. It was all a joke. And she wrote, How can you be so cruel? I thought you liked me. And, of course, he didn't. So, so they have a picture of her. She was in tears. This was, she, she'd met some bloke on holiday. Now, come on. Most of you know holiday romances. We've all been there. We've all been there. You go on holiday with your mum and dad or whoever, and you meet somebody. It's like, oh, it's all exciting. In love and all the rest of it. And so she fell in love. But he'd been playing a cruel game called Pull a Pig. Now, I've never even heard of this game, but it, I presume... It means you pull somebody 
who you don't fancy, but you just prove that you can pull somebody. And they've got to be overweight. He's uh, Dutch. His name is Jesse Maitman. And he sent her a message. You were pigged. He then added two pig images with a laughing face and said it was all a joke. She said, pulling a pig is where a guy tries to pull the fat, ugly girl. I felt sick. Uh, Sophie slept with him in what she called a proper romance. No, dear, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't... I mean, she's 24, he's actually 21. I have to explain this to you, and the risk of embarrassing her at this time of the morning, you're just the holiday one-night stand. I mean, you know, you must have seen the television programmes. You know, you get the boys going out from Newcastle and Leicester and... South End. And just about anywhere, really. And the idea is to sort of pull as many people as possible. And you just happen to be that person. She thought it was a proper romance. They met in Barcelona. And uh, 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 bar supervisor Sophie, who comes from Stoke-on-Trent, forked out... Wait for this, because she thought it was, it was all going ahead. She forked out an extra 350 quid on a trip to be with him in Amsterdam. He'd played along on the telephone. You know, yeah, really looking forward to seeing you and all the rest of it. But uh, left her stranded alone at the airport. She heard from him via his abusive message six hours later at a hotel. She said, how could you be so cruel? He promptly blocked her on social media. Unfortunately, now, of course, his picture is in the paper. Watch him. His name is Jesse Stevenson. He's quite clearly a simpleton. And he delights in doing something like that. She said, I was so upset, I changed my flights and headed home the next morning. Jesse failed to respond to our efforts to contact him. Well, you can see a picture of him. He's in all the uh, the papers today. But don't worry, I think you're going to be exposed, mate. I think they'll be sending journalists over to, uh, you know, you might think this is all a bit of a, bit of a joke thing, but um, we take this very seriously in this country and we're going to expose you. OK, you've been exposed in the paper today. The papers have called him the son, what a swine. I think they'll be taking that further. She's very upset. Admittedly, she's quite big. But, I mean, she's, she's very upset by... I've never heard of this thing before. Aren't people cruel when it comes to... But holiday romances are... You know, you just have to treat them for what they are, I'm afraid. You just have to accept the fact that, you know, people don't... They don't really care. People will tell you anything. You are so gorgeous. You're so lovely. It's like Louise Redknapp. Boring, boring person. You know, Daisy Lowe told her she was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, she probably told you were a singer as well. But, you know, people will tell you anything nowadays, dear. Let's get too excited. You know, the day that we see you at number one in the charts, it'll be a sad, sad day for the music business. You know, like the bloke touching somebody in the bar in Dubai. He put his hand on the man so he didn't spill his drinks. Because you do that, don't you? You say, don't back into me, don't back into me. And so you literally, I mean, I can, I can see the scenario. I've done it as well. Don't, hello, I'm behind you. You see that happening all the time. So he was arrested for public indecency after touching this man on his hip to avoid impact in the crowded Rock Bottom Bar. Kind of says it all, doesn't it? Kind of says it all. But anyway, he spent 32000 in legal fees and expenses so far. £32,000! His parents uh, warned Brits from visiting the United Arab Emirates. They said, we can't believe this nightmare's gone on for three months. I can't believe it either. I mean, I mean, who's this bloke who he's alleged to have, you know, t- just to move him away? Don't move into me. I've done it before, haven't you? You're holding a tray. D- Hello, don't walk any... Don't come backwards into me. Over in Dubai, they take you to court and they find a lawyer. Well, you know, you probably go to prison for this one. It's probably a hanging offence in Dubai. Ridiculous, honestly. Why would you want to go there? Ridiculous. If you do go there, don't go to the bar. Make sure you find a place that's got waitress service. Make it so much easier. Uh, more on Amy Winehouse... And uh, the Bazaar column has said that there are talks 
with her family to turn her life into a musical. Unfortunately, I don't think her life is a musical. That's the trouble. I think it's just immensely sad and full of drugs. So, you know, it, this isn't like sort of, you know, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons or the Spice Girls or anything like that. This is just a life tormented by alcohol abuse and drug abuse. I mean, half the time, she didn't know where she was. How can you make that into a musical? Musicals are fun things. Oh, dear. Apparently the Super Sky Blues, Coventry City, you, big up Coventry City this morning, are away at Accrington Stanley on Saturday, says Ian. I was thinking about going, you want to come? He says, I'll treat you to a pie and bovril. Oh, God. Paul in Wakefield, poor soul, honestly, somebody's got to be there, says, a man who doesn't like sport of any kind has had a poor upbringing. <laughs> Better than yours, pal. I live in London. I live in London. I work in London. You're writing to me. Nobody's writing to you. You're in Wakefield. What's Wakefield famous for? Nothing. Nothing. They've got a rugby league team. Rugby league. Oh, poor old Paul, honestly. Uh, if you can't get Ringo Starr, how about Thomas the Tank Engine, says Paul in Poplar. What is it with the name Paul this morning? Bros must be petrified waiting to sell all their seats, says Tony. Well, they're not, uh, they're not doing any more gigs. They're not rescheduling. As I say, we'll be watching the Peter Andre camp, I mean that in the nicest possible way, to find out whether or not any of his gigs are rescheduled in 2018 over in Australia. But, but if I'd been one of the few people who bought a seat, I'd be going, what, so now I've got to wait till 2018 to see my hero? I don't think so. I think I'd rather go and see somebody else. The Tweenies are very popular. Who's that other big group in America? There's, it's all these blokes wearing different coloured shirts. And they're huge. They're enormous in Australia. In Australia, they're the... Oh, I can't remember what they're called now. Somebody will know. Anyway, they're, they're, the kids love them. And they pop up all over the place. And they sing and they dance and everything else. Far more entertaining than dreary old Peter Andre. I bet he turns up with an entourage. The Wiggles. The Wiggles are huge. Wiggles are huge. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Oh, no, it's tickle, isn't it? Tickle, 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 tickle. Anyway, we've got to move on. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning. Uh, I bet there's a number of you listening at the moment are a wee bit stiff because you'll have taken part in the half marathon yesterday. No matter which way you look at it, it's still 13 miles of pounding pavements and uh, running around the Royal Parks, four of them yesterday. So I don't know what time people did it in. I know uh, a few people who were doing it yesterday, so I hope you raised some money for charity, which is uh, what it was all in aid of. And I think there were 16,000 people Luckily, I was in Regent's Park, so I managed to avoid it completely, which is OK. You know, I can't do things like that. I'm, I'm, sort, of, I'm sort of envious of people who can manage to do it. But at the same time, I'm kind of thinking, perhaps that's why I'm still alive. Uh, Steve says, Jan, you always sell a show out very, very quickly, no matter when or where it's held. As you know, I am your voice of experience. Yes, Jan, of course, from the Queen's Theatre in Hornchurch. I think we were and we're still on record as being their fastest sellout show. Steve Allen's show down at the Queen's Theatre in Hornchurch. In fact, on the morning that the tickets went on sale, there was a queue early, in, early hours of the morning of people queuing. The same at the Shaw Theatre. I don't know why. I can't quite work it out, Jan. It's odd, isn't it, really? When we sort of sold out, and the moment the phone lines were opened, they were inundated, and it sold out in minutes. Literally. I mean, in, in minutes. We were very grateful. Uh, Dan says, wide awake. So sitting on the computer. Well, you shouldn't be sitting on a computer. It's not good for it. Generating invoices and listening to the show. Have a great Monday. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why people don't like Monday. I know that the Boomtown Rats did a song, didn't they? But that was based on a, an incident in America of the schoolboy who opened up uh, with, his, uh, with his rifle, I think, or gun. You know, that's, that's the trouble with America. 
the amount of guns that are freely available to people, you know, school children as well. You just got to join a gun club and you have access to guns. And he went in there. And why did he shoot loads of people? Because he didn't like Mondays. Hence the Boomtown Rats uh, doing it. Uh, uh, Glyn says, I remember a guy in the RAF saying he'd won a pull a pig contest. And um, for the uh, for the girl there, it's honestly it's it's bizarre, isn't it? I've never even heard of it. But unfortunately, she made the big mistake. She made the big mistake of going back. I think whenever you have a fling, a relationship, a whatever it happens to be on holiday, because you meet people, you have a few drinks, and people tell you anything. They will tell you anything to sort of, you know, to get their wicked way with you. It's it's a sad reflection on society that we're all susceptible to flattery. Somebody goes, God, you're really gorgeous. People used to say to me, God, you're really... They, well, they didn't. Not, not, not to me, obviously. But to other people. And, you, and you'd sort of see people going, oh, thanks. You'd think, they don't mean it. They do it all the time on The Only Way is Essex. And you know what a bunch of old hags they are. You know, they go, oh, you look really gorgeous. You think, yeah, you actually see her without the makeup on. And then the boys, you know, without the silly little bun on the top and the sort of the funny little voices and everything else. And uh, Lillian says, I'm a minicab driver and I love you. I would marry you today. Busy today, actually. A little bit busy today. Got things to do, people to see, things to, to sort of... Um, I don't know what I'm doing today, actually. It's Monday. It's Monday. I know tomorrow it's bandage re- re-changing time. Andy in Mansfield says, I'm with you on football. Overpaid prima donnas on silly money. I listened to the results on telly for years. Till I was mid-twenties, I thought the local team was called Mansfield Town Nil. <laughs> Such a good gag, isn't it? Such a good gag. But yeah, I, I mean, put it this way, you either follow football or you don't follow football. If you don't follow football, you're never going to uh, to understand it. Um, and and you wouldn't be remotely interested. I, nothing, nothing that anybody could ever say to me would ever persuade me to go and watch football. I live in Twickenham, just literally within third of a mile, we've got a huge stadium where they play rugby. Not interested. Really not interested. It just, I just, you know, different people are into different things. If we're all into the same thing, it would be completely different. But, you know, I'm with Andy. It's overpaid idiots. You know, people who can barely string. I mean, look at the state that poor old uh, Rooney's in and half the other ones. You know, you see people, they get addicted to gambling or to drugs or to women or to Baileys, or to all sorts of things. And you start thinking, they're so bored, aren't they? They're so bored. You know, £20,000 a week is quite normal. You know, I forget how much Rooney was earning. Was it 300000 a week? 150 now, but he was on 300000 a week. A week. Small wonder she went, Wayne, <laughs> I'm going on holiday again. And he goes, oh, that's good. I'll go back to the bar again. That girl, you know, the, the girl who, the, the Wayne Rooney... They had a drink. She's still trying to get an agent and still trying to get herself into uh, into I'm a Celebrity. I've got no idea why. Just some person who stands in a bar. She was turned away from a bar the other night. Phil Neville's new bar, I think, which David Beckham went to the opening of, because he probably had a lemonade or something or a fruit juice. And uh, she, she was turned away from it. They didn't want her in there, and she complained bitterly. I thought, well, I wouldn't want you if I had a bar either. People like you, thank you very much indeed. So uh, it's it's the football thing. I just can't get it. I don't. But there again, it doesn't matter, does it? Everybody's different. Some people love football. Some people like athletics. I mean, I'm personally into nude leapfrog, but you don't find many people around my way willing to have a go at it. And I'm willing to be jumped over. I don't care. I'm not proud. But it's just that people, you know, do it. And people obviously go to football. People go to rugby. I know people go to rugby. I see the thousands that pour into into Twickenham all the time, and it just doesn't interest me. 
just doesn't interest me. They're thinking of having an all-female celebrity big brother. That'll be a bit of a problem, won't it, to find anybody. They, they can't put anybody on from the reality shows because we're not sure about them at all. And so where are they going to get people from? I mean, all they'll do is sit around knitting and gossiping and having a small sweet sherry. It won't be at all interesting. You've got to throw some, some sort of naff people into the mix. I'm sure they'll find somebody somewhere. So the dining room's gone. If you, if you go into a... It's like I spoke to a lady the other day and she said, I've had the bath taken out of my house and I've had a bigger shower put in. I said, oh, I was always told by an estate agent that if you've got a bathroom, a lot of people like a bath. I'm not one of them. I don't want to sit in... My, my godson, Nathan, he's exactly the same. He doesn't want to sit in dirt, so he, he will sit in the shower. And I, you know, I'm quite... Well, he won't, he'll stand in the shower. I sit in the shower. I'm quite happy with the shower. I'm not into baths, but I wouldn't have the bath taken out in case somebody came in to buy the place. And then we go, wait a minute, where's the bath gone? And you go, oh, we had it taken out. In which case, you then have to have a blasted thing put back in again. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, 84850. I'm all for zero tolerance, Steve, of inappropriate touching by complete strangers in public places. The proper etiquette is to say, excuse me, please. I'm touchy about being touchy-feely. It's a distracting wind-up when you don't know as to what unsavoury drunk has crept up behind you, says Mark. Well, this was... He buys his drinks at the bar as he's going away from the bar with his drinks. So he's, he's obviously got one in each hand, I'm assuming. I'm only guessing. Um, he then has to say this, but excuse me. And he touches him to move him to one side. Because sometimes you say, excuse me. Excuse me! Because some people are deaf as a post. You know, and it's, you know, if you've got pumping music out, you know, sort of, you know, that's a bit difficult because I can imagine the bars in Dubai are a little bit naff in their taste of music. And yeah, so rock the boat, don't kick the boat over. And everybody's sitting on the floor doing that kind of thing. And, um, and so perhaps people don't hear it. So you just move them with your hand. People just expect it in bars. People expect, if I'd been to a bar in a pub, not necessarily a bar in a club, because I'm way too old for clubs now. People feel sorry for me. They think it's sort of pensioners' night. And so you go there and somebody just moves. I don't think, oh, that's somebody touching me inappropriately. I think there was obviously trying to get past me, and that's how it works. If I'm trying to force my way through to the bar, I've got a cattle prod. And uh, I tell you, they move. They move. <laughs> go. <laughs> move. And they do. But in this case, he finds himself in court, and he spent 32,000 quid already. He must be very rich if he's got £32,000 he can afford to spend on rubbish like that. Ridiculous. Uh, we, uh, Wakefield, we found something it's famous for, says Andy. Viv Nicholson. Viv Nicholson won the pools years ago. She won £152,000, which is the equivalent, really, of winning about three million quid today. And uh, when they said, uh, the press said to her, so what are you going to do with it? She went, I'm going to spend, spend, spend. She lived in a little tiny one-up, one-down house. Uh, people had a backyard. And she'd have anything. She managed to get rid of quite a few husbands. They seemed to die in mysterious circumstances. They made a musical about her, which was called Spend, Spend, Spend. And that's what she did. They bought lots of different cars because £152,000 in those days on the pools went a long, long way. Like three million would go nowhere today. 152000 I mean, if you won three million, all right, it's nice. But, you know, you can't do loads of things. In those days, you could buy. She bought houses. She bought cars. And everything. And uh, they had a night in a posh. She'd never been in a hotel before. It was all new to her. The pools was the only way of making money. Now, uh, it used to be Euro Millions. But as you know, nobody wins the blooming thing because they've made it almost impossible to win. 
And so they go, oh, don't worry, somebody will win it. No, they won't. Nobody's won it up until now. If it turns out to be somebody in Belgium or something like that, I should be miffed, very miffed. So I, I bought my ticket, and apparently this is the last week it's going to roll. I don't think even think it's rolling. They're keeping the same amount of money. So where the rest of it's going to, I can't imagine. Perhaps good causes. That's what they say, isn't it, really? They say it goes to good causes. But no, Viv, Viv Nicholson, everybody remembers uh, very well. Kel says, gutted, didn't get tickets to see you. I know the trouble they do. These things do sell out fairly quickly. I always think sort of catch, catch me while I'm still alive. Uh, Steve, uh, a complete stranger told me I was gorgeous the other day. She was wearing a tabard and carried a clipboard. Yeah, is it? Is it? It's like Louise Redknapp. She goes, "Oh, Daisy Lowe told me I was gorgeous." Really? I can find loads of people who tell you you're not. Okay. But uh, it's this sort of, it's this sad life she's got now, you know. Let, let's sort of get her in a bikini, losing, because she's doing, she's touring in something. I mean, it's a sad, perhaps she's got midlife crisis or something, I don't know. Definitely not, not the full ticket. Uh, the great bin collection, it's a scandal. Some people don't get their bins collected for two weeks, and so the rubbish mounts up. And before you know where you are, you've got sort of foxes, because you do have foxes everywhere now, and rooks. And everything else that sort of pull all these bags apart. And some people can't even be bothered to put it in a bin. They're too bone idle. Really, really annoying. Uh, also here, uh, the FA warned of header risk to brain 22 years ago. Relatives are calling for a parliamentary inquiry. Uh, they knew about this. They knew about heading balls and dementia ages ago. And they've done nothing. Law unto themselves, the FA. That's what I think. I remember years ago talking to Tony Banks, who was sports minister. Not with us anymore. And he said to me, he said, quite honestly, he said, I've got no control. He said, I'm sports minister. He said, I've got no control over the FA whatsoever. They do what they want to do. And it's, it's quite true. They do, actually. Uh, also, uh, the story about uh, don't go to Dubai. The son's warning as his son faces prison for touching a man's hip. Uh, you know, God forbid you should ever do that over there. And fury at superiors flings with crew officers in mutiny on nuke sub. Five officers on a nuclear submarine threatened to quit over a love affair among crew. Apparently, it's, it's quite common. There's lots of... But I suppose if you're stuck on something that goes under the waves, I mean, you know, people, people fall for each other, you know. Don't they? No? Just me again. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Oh, I'm so depressed. So, so depressed. You cannot take me out of my deep, deep depression. Somebody won the £168 million in Euro Millions. And it was uh, one on the holiday island of Gran Canaria. I'm so depressed. So depressed. Somebody won it. Hope you're really happy with the money. <laughs> and somebody also won 14 million, I think. It was somebody on benefits. So that's good, isn't it? Nice to know that you can spend the money wisely if you're on benefits. Uh, Prince Charles says hunting foxes. I have to take myself away from it because seriously, it's going to completely ruin Monday. I was enjoying. You know, not, not drink. I might have to start drinking again. On second thoughts, maybe not. Uh, Prince Charles says hunting foxes is romantic, so he's tried to stop it being banned because the royal family hunt and shooting and fishing. Diana wasn't. She hated things like that, but the rest of them go out there and, uh, and do hunting. And uh, the country-loving royal lobbied Tony Blair not to outlaw the blood sport in 2002. So this goes back a little way. He wrote there was complete bewilderment. The government was heeding calls to ban a pursuit that was environmentally friendly. Is it really? I must have missed that bit. Environmentally friendly. You know, foxes doing what they do naturally. Foxes, you know, they go out there and they do... You might as well go out to, you know, the Transvaal and shoot all the lions and tigers and things like that because they're going out there killing things. And they go, but, but foxes, you know, and so they go out and they kill them. But they don't just sort of pitch 
one dog against one fox. It's like a pack of hounds against one poor little fox is going, what the hell's going on here? Really? I mean, I, I, I don't get it either. I really don't. But despite Charles's intervention, uh, the hunting, law be, uh, hunting Act became law in 2005 and made chasing wild mammals with hounds illegal. Last night, Philippa King of the League Against Cruel Sports says seeing a fox ripped out of a hole and thrown to the hounds is not my idea of romantic. A spokesman for Charles says he was simply encouraging the government to take the views of the countryside on board. Well, they think it's romantic. Perhaps he doesn't understand what the word romantic means. That means ripping a fox to pieces. I mean, sometimes you lose its all sense of the occasion, don't you? And then the students, having had the dove story, you know, where they sort of have an advert, they pulled it, incidentally, of a black woman washing with dove soap who then turns into a white woman. Possibly one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my entire life. Students who allegedly wore tops reading I Love Vegas Concerts and I Love Rape on a pub crawl are under investigation. As well as seeming to mock the 58 victims of America's worst US mass shooting, others had uh, vests inscribed with swastikas. Leaders of the Exeter University booze up in Penryn in Cornwall later ordered the tops and any photos to be destroyed. The university said we apologise unreservedly. Well, I'm hoping you've kicked these people out. You must have evidence of who they are. Kick them out. If it's true, kick them out. You don't want people like that. Why would you want somebody like that in a university? Absolutely dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. The bin collection scandal, I'm, I'm quite amazed, actually. They're now calling it a basic right to have your... I don't think it's a basic right. I think you're paying enough money to have them blooming emptied. 76% of areas, it's a 14-day wait. Where Tory cuts bite, it's 21 days, say the Mirror. Of course, they would say that, wouldn't they, really? Many now pay for private pickups or burn rubbish. One says it's a health hazard. Yet it was David Cameron who called weekly pickup a basic right. Well, we have a we have a pickup today. We will be having a pickup um, of the the rubbish. They empty the bins, and uh, that's it. It's amazing the amount of people who just wander in and just fill up your bins with their own rubbish. Seriously, people nicking from charity shops. Most popular. Uh, Ruth Langsford, her racy strictly dress, got a very split reaction. She said her husband Eamon loved it. Gonna be sick. But it made her son, Jack, who's 15, squirm. And uh, Ruth says, he said, I bet that'll get some comments about that at school on Monday. That opening shot of me trying to be sultry was maybe a bit embarrassing because she can't dance. She can't dance. She doesn't have, you know, she's got other skills. I don't know why people think, oh, if I can do this, then I can do that. Because, you know, dancing is something completely different. You've got to commit yourself to it. You've got to be totally committed and you've got to be unbelievably fit. Just, you know, spending more time doing your hair and your makeup is not it. Richard Coles got kicked out after a passadoble. He called his Strictly Stint intensely joyous. Yeah, only for you. Only for you. The rest of us were just bored witless. But uh, now they've actually got... Uh, I think Ruth's was a, a James Bond-themed rumba. And so she sticks on a wig. She's, she's doing it with Tony Beak. You know, the man who always dances with all the old women. And they all like... He was the one, I think, who danced with Anne Widdicombe. That must have been a job and a half. And Kim Jong-un has promoted his uh, sister to, uh, to the top table, which is quite interesting. And uh, her name is Kim Jo-jong... And she's been... Prov- I hope to God she never disagrees with him because she won't last five minutes, will she? But apparently she's 30. She's the youngest daughter of the late leader Kim Jong-il. She'll replace her aunt on the Working Party's Politburo. In other words, she's a yes person. And um, and I hope she lives long enough to enjoy it. 
But, uh, you know, it's, it, they don't seem to last too long over there. It doesn't matter whether it's family, does it, or anything like that at all. They just sort of go, right, you didn't do the job properly. Or failing that, she'll fall asleep. There'll be something, something dreadful going on. Uh, also, I can't get over the lottery. Somebody actually won it. Somebody somewhere is sitting there. That's a nice surprise for Christmas, isn't it? I like that idea. That somebody's going to be that happy with my money to make a big deal about it or get angry in any way, shape or form. I'm not really... I'm seriously not that bothered. <laughs> also, you won't like this one. The new elephant death trade. It's not just their uh, tusks they're taking. Now, they're taking their skin, their hide, uh, for making beads. They make health jewellery. And so what happens is, I don't want to go into it, actually, because I don't think you're going to like it. If you're, a, if you're a fan of elephants and things like that, you're really not going to like it. And you're not going to like the pictures either in the, uh, the paper. Uh, cough with their heads. Theresa May. She appears with Ian Dale tomorrow. She'll take your calls. Who will she get rid of? Will she really shunt people out? Will, will Boris Johnson be moved to another role like the Conservative Party chairman? But the PM could end up creating a Brexit martyr. Let's to keep the enemies close. Uh, also, Philip Hammond, you know, slightly dodgy. Uh, Andrea Leadsom, popular with activists, said to have lashed out at her Brexit plan. Uh, and also Justine Greening, no fan of the PM's abandoned grammar schools. Is she, is she going to show her, um, her mettle on this one? Is she going to go right... Boris out. I was watching Prime Minister's Question Time the other day, and uh, some people seem seem to like Boris. They say he's bumbling and he don't really know. He's a bit of a loose cannon. They all they all agree that you could describe him as a loose cannon. Uh, whether he remains, I don't know. Where would he go afterwards? I thought he was good as London Mayor. Sadiq Khan appears to have done a complete U-turn uh, on Uber. He's, uh, he's apparently listening to what they're saying now. Because somebody said to me the other day, they said, uh, Uber are finishing, aren't they? I said, not any time soon, they're not. No, absolutely not. It, once it's gone into the disputes procedure, it, it can be years and years. Oh, God, Louise Redknapp again. I've been pleasing others for most of my life. I'm doing this for me. Shut up. <laughs> Go away. Go away. And there's a bloke here. He's a burglar. He broke into Paynton Model Shop. What was he stealing? Trains. Hornby double O trains. The great train set robbery. He spent four hours putting toys in bubble. He knows exactly what he's thieving here. He's identifiable. You cannot miss him at all. Caught on CCTV. He climbed through the ceiling. He took rare toy engines and uh, thieved them. So it was certainly, you know, he knows what he's doing because these are rare Hornby thing. Some of these, these trains are worth up to 250 quid. They reckon thousands of pounds worth. But luckily his picture is in the paper. And uh, Susan, who owns the shop with her husband, Richard, says we're sending out images to dealers all over the UK in a bid to thwart him. I think he'll be found. Somebody would go, I know that is. That's my next door neighbour. He's a tea leaf. Get him into prison. Get him into prison as quick as possible. Fancy breaking into a shop and stealing somebody's things. I've got no time for people like that at all. Frank Bruno, day two. Dear two. On the boxing idol in his psychiatric ward. My room, he said, was no bigger than a cell. I've been champion of the world, but now I felt... Was he a champion of the world? Was he really? They never found anybody worth boxing for Frank Bruno. As I say, said over the weekend, they just basically found them in cemeteries and old people's homes. They sort of dug people up. There was nobody who was evenly matched. The only time he was evenly matched was against Tyson, who flattened him in a matter of seconds, I think. It was, um, it was very quick and over and done with. But he obviously made some money. But then, you know, because of this... So he's a highly publicised eventful career... Uh, the pinnacle, which winning the WBC heavyweight title. 
And uh, but as I say, I never understand how boxing works. I really don't. It's you know they seem to hand these things out like jelly babies, don't they? He's six foot three. He was born in Hammersmith. Born in Hammersmith. His name is Franklin. Franklin. You see, I quite like Franklin. I think that's a much nicer name than Frank. Bit of an abbreviation there, but Franklin sounds quite nice. OK, uh, news at six, coming up very shortly. It's Monday morning at Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's nice to have your uh, company this morning. Amy Winehouse, the musical. Not too sure about that. Uh, May, Theresa May, plotting the cabinet reshuffle. You can ask her. I'm sure that Ian Dale will have that question on the top of his uh, list. Uh, old quids, only around for another week. I think it finishes on the... On Sunday, yes, yeah, uh, yes, on Sunday it finishes. But Poundland say you can still keep handing them in. There. They'll take anybody's money. They don't care. Prince Charles says hunting foxes is romantic. Russell Brand claims to have lost ten million. Kieran Hayless, former girlfriend, uh, is going to spend a hundred thousand pounds on plastic surgery to look like Kate. That's Katie Price. I don't think you need to spend that much, dear. Twenty quid should just about do it. And uh, no sex, please. It's the census. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Coming up five past six. It's Monday, the 9th of October. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast until seven. Nick Ferrari will be along then. We'll tell you what he's doing in about 25 minutes' time. Uh, the great bin collection scandal. Desperate Brits are paying for private waste firms. I wouldn't even know where to go to find a private waste firm to come and collect the bins. But, I mean, we have no complaints about uh, about our, our bin collection. It goes on and uh, seems to be working fine. Thank you very much indeed. But some parts of the country, it can be up to every three weeks. before. Well, I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Every three weeks. I know in certain parts of the country we've had complaints that they will only take it. Around here... It has to be bagged in the right bags before the uh, the lorries will actually take anything. And, in fact, I followed a, a lorry the other day because it was picking up on a Sunday morning, which I thought was a bit unusual. But a friend of mine said, oh, normally they do about three in the morning. So that, but they, people complained in the early hours of the morning to have the lorries coming round, uh, picking up all the rubbish. But it's amazing how much we generate. I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal how much rubbish there is out there. And so, you know, everywhere you go, wherever you've got big bins which need emptying into the big uh, big lorries, they're going to be full up, full to overflowing, and they sort of drop it and then there's bottle. And that's just not even including the glass. The glass that's generated from all the bars and the pubs and everything else like that. So this, uh, this collection scandal, and people are paying for it to, to go privately. Some people are burning their own rubbish. Some people are very good at the recycling thing, aren't they? We have recycling bins. And uh, I have to be honest, I'm not, I'm not brilliant at doing the recycling stuff. You know, you're going to put your green... Because I don't do any bottles. So green bottles, brown bottles, cardboard, paper, magazines, all those sort of things. And, and then sometimes you have to phone the council up to say, listen, it's not been emptied for three weeks. It's full to overflowing. Can you send somebody out? And eventually they get round to uh, to doing it. But it's a very, very slow process. Very slow process. Uh, the uh, gender-neutral census makes a lot of the papers for today. And this is declaring your sex on a set. I mean, to be honest with you, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I've lost track of the amount of time. The council write to me every year, you know, are you still in exactly the same status so that you get the discount on the, the property and everything else? But this one here, declaring your sex could be optional... Uh, in proposals aimed at recognising transgender people. How many are there? Are there, are there literally millions of transgender people? Or is it... I mean, I'm, I'm sort of missing the point, and it's just a, a handful. Apparently, in the recent census in 2011, that's when the last one was, four million people declined to answer the only voluntary question, what's your religion? Well, I, wouldn't, I mean, why would you want to... What's it going to do with people? 
but they're doing a census. The idea is they're doing a census of what's going on in the country and they want to know whether or not we're, we're religious. And the answer is, of course we're not. Of course we're not. There are people that go to church. There are people who go to mosques. There are people who go to synagogues. It doesn't matter. And loads of other places of, of worship. But, you know, why should you have to tell somebody where you go? What's the point of that? Not going to make any difference, is it? I mean, you, you can tell that, obviously, a lot of churches are converted into houses, flats. I've lost track. Round our way, we've got, uh, we got a few of those. Some of them are really lovely. They're very, I quite fancy the idea if I'd won the lottery, but somebody won it in Spain. I don't want to go on about it. Don't ask me. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind actually living in a, in a church conversion. I think that'd be quite nice, being nearer, nearer to God. But uh, they're saying here there are concerns it could leave civil servants without a precise figure for the number of men and women living in the country. Because the, the new form says you wouldn't be obliged to answer male or female. But then if you're, if you're transgender, you would either be male or female. There isn't another sex, as far as I'm aware. You are either male or female. If you were male and you trans to female, you're now female. So you put down female, wouldn't you? Unless you know something I don't know, because I get a bit confused. Or you're non-binary, so you don't identify with anybody. Well, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. You're either male or female. It doesn't matter what you identify as. It's what you want to put down. But four million people did not want to talk about what religion they were. I hear more, more presenters on the, on the radio who are talking about being atheist. Whereas one time they go, oh, atheist. That was a bit like saying you were vegan. People used to think that was really sort of odd. And you think, but, you know, some people don't have a religion. When you're little, when you're younger, you know, we did go to Sunday school. I did sing in a, in a, in a church choir. But only be, not because I thought it was religious or anything like that. We just went there because you got out of lessons early on a Sunday and you went up to the church and there was about six of us and we, and we got to sing and you learnt the service. It didn't, it didn't mean that we were religious in any way, shape or form. It just meant that we were sort of going to church because everybody else looked at you. It was, it was, in fact, it wasn't even, I don't know what it was. I can't remember what it was. I was, I was little at the time. I was nine, ten years old. I was just sort of trying to work out, I suppose. But I don't think we heard anything. I understood about the tedium. I knew all the words to all the hymns, because that's what you learn. And I knew all the procedure and bowing and the cassock and the surplus and everything else. But it didn't make you Christian to do it. It could have been anything at all, really. I don't think so. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Five officers are now threatening to quit over affairs on board this Trident submarine. Good heavens above, it's a hotbed of sex on a submarine. I tell you, if you're looking for pulling, don't bother going to Dubai, touching somebody's hip. Go on a submarine. It's, they're, it's amazing. Amazing. Uh, also, who on earth is that? Camilla Kerslake. Who's she? Who's Camilla Kerslake? Oh, the producer doesn't know either. But apparently she's... Um, she was going out to an engagement party. Oh, her engagement party. But obviously she's sort of, she poses. She's performed at Wembley and Twickenham. Who hasn't? She's wearing this sort of gown and she's now engaged to Chris Robshaw. She's a singer. She's performed with Andrea Bocelli. And she got engaged in July. And that's it. She's a crossover singer. Oh, she was the first signing to Gary Barlow's record label. And she released her debut album in 2009. Since then... Not a lot. And so she's wearing this sort of gown here. Camilla Kersler. Oh, well, there you go. You learn something new every day, don't you? So that's who she is now. She's toured with Russell Watson. And she's been described as uh, a coloratura soprano. Because she can reach top B above high C. She's been seen at Stars at Night. From her first album, Camilla Kerslake And her live performances of Canto della Terra. She's performed as Cosette in Les Miserables, 
which required her to sing up to... Oh, God, who cares? Honestly, there's a, a load of old hooey in it, really. So she's performed as Cosette. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me for sort of, you know, sort of going, ooh, whatever, whatever. Uh, Dogfight. Shirley and Brendan clashing over the Top Gun routine. Uh, Brendan's a little bit fiery and uh, doesn't doesn't uh, take to... Be- I thought he'd actually turned over a new leaf. I thought he'd actually become sort of like a, sort of a quieter person now. But uh, they had a bit of a frosty spat, him and Shirley Ballas, because she's the one who's taken over from, from Len. So she criticised the rise and fall in Cole and his celebrity partner, Charlotte Hawkins, because she can't dance either. I didn't realise, actually, how bad she was. But anyway, the 57-year-old had barely got to the end of her sentence before Cole interrupted and says, I'm really sorry, but there was no rise and fall. She told him to look back over the footage, to which Cole coldly responded, I will, my dear. Oh, dear. You're starting to be a bit of a problem, Mr Cole, again, aren't you? Bruno Tonioli. So I say, that these, we do this here. Oh, darling, you're fantastic. Oh, God, honestly. He later reminded the dancer to be more respectful. Yes, Mr Cole. Otherwise, it would be very easy just to go, go, Mr Cole has now left the building. Thank you very much indeed. Don't be a silly boy, OK? Just take it on the shoulder, watch it back, and you'll see there was rise and fall. Uh, Miss Ballas was accused by viewers of being unprofessional. What do they know about it? You could ask in the viewers. You might as well ask the cat next door. They don't know anything about it. She's the expert. Brendan's just a little dancer employed like all the other ones. You just do your stuff, dear. You get your fee. Go home. All right? And start arguing with people. But uh, uh, Miss Ballas was criticised for showing off her knowledge and being too technical. It's a professional programme. Oh, these stupid viewers. There's some right dim people watch programmes now on television, aren't there? You know, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Meanwhile, Richard Cole's Pasadoble to Flash Gordon placed him at the bottom of the leadership board with Craig Revel Horwood describing his performance as like a three-year-old having a tantrum. Yeah, I think that just about summed it up. Uh, lots of small shops continuing taking the pound coins. I think I probably... I was just going to have a check, actually, because I'm quite sure... Sorry standing up here. I'm quite sure that I was given some the other day and I remember thinking I need to get rid of these. Uh, I carry don't ask me why I carry loads of change Oh my god There's one There's two I've got two Two old pound coins So that's it. The rest are nice shiny pound coins. 50 pence I've got loads of 50 pence pieces How rich am I? Loads. I've got three pounds in 50 pence pieces. And I don't know why I keep... I suppose it's for tips and taxes, isn't it? It saves you changing another note up, I suppose. I'll do. But I've got two. And I bet you anything... Oh, no, I've got... Th- I do beg your pardon, I've got three. Oh, no, it's a shiny one. Well, we're going to Poundland, because they've actually said that they're going to, um, they're going to accept my, my pound coins. I try and offload them to people. If I'm going to Burger King, I sort of offload them to Burger King. I offload them to anybody. It's, it's still legal tender. It's not like it's not legal tender until Sunday. and then. But it doesn't matter because even after Sunday, Poundland is still going to take them. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? I can go and buy something interesting in Poundland. Like what? I've got no idea. Have we had Halloween yet or have we got Halloween to go? Is it still coming? Does it go and buy a blood capsule or something from Poundland or, or buy something equally exciting? Some glue. I can go and get, I can get two, two lots of glue for £2, which is great. Death of the dining room. I bet there's families listening now going, dining room? What's that? You go to a flat. You go and buy a new flat nowadays. There is no dining room. It's all one room. The kitchen is invariably in the room because they're cheap. They built some flats around my way. The dining room, sorry, the... The dining room, the sitting room and the kitchen are all in one room. It's because they're bone idle. And these are 700,000. 
Seriously, I mean, you must be listening up north thinking, you lot must be mad in London. I know, but people buy them. There are people who are moving into these flats already. I saw some flats the other day, which are brand new, up at uh, its Hogarth roundabout, which is uh, near Richmond, heading out onto the M4 and all the rest of it. And they put up what looks like hundreds of flats. There's people living in there already. They haven't just finished them. They were working through the night to put kitchens in and everything else. In Piccadilly Circus, down the road from here, putting in all these kitchens. There's people moving in. People moving in, but there's, there's no such thing as a dining room. They don't. That's, that's seen as a bit old, bit old fashioned. Even Mary Berry does not use the dining room. She eats in the kitchen. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Six twenty. I forgot to mention earlier on. Remember, I told you about the uh, the copper who was selling crash victims' data onto these uh, one of these companies, uh, one of these no win, no fee claims management firms. Uh, who were cold calling the accident victims to urge them to seek compensation. Anyway, uh, this is a guy called Nigel Munger. He was he's married uh, to Nicola, uh, and he was living the high life. He was given uh, he ended up with three hundred and sixty three thousand pounds. He was spending it on you know flash cars on holiday. He was a bent copper. It was as simple as that. He was selling this information on. And uh, the scam unravelled when casualties complained. They were being called by the ambulance-chasing firms, which is what they seem to be called nowadays, despite only ever handing their details to the police. In one case, a man involved in a collision said he was contacted by a claims firm before a police officer had even arrived at his home to take a statement. And I forgot to mention that uh, that Nigel Munger uh, went to prison. Five years for the bent copper. Five years. His wife got a, a conditional discharge for 12 months. And, um, they, they, you know, it's, it's just absolutely unbelievable that these people think they're never going to be caught. Because in this particular case, the bloke went, wait a minute, I haven't even, I've only just given a statement to the police and somebody's turned up on the doorstep. Well, where's that come from? It's come from him. He was selling the details on. Bit of, bit of cash, bit of the old backhander in the pocket. So he lived the high life. Big smile on his face. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, lovely pictures in the paper today. Old pictures of uh, of London town, and there's one here of a zebra. I know, yes, a zebra pulling a, a little cart. In the year 1913, that's when this uh, this photograph was taken. It's a hand coloured picture by the look of it. Absolutely unbelievable. Also pictures of Tower Bridge, as you've never seen it before, in 1899, building up when they were building it, and you know it's quite an amazing thing to see. Uh, plus, they've got all sorts of pictures here. One of them is a, a suffragette called Emmeline Pankhurst. Yes, related to Mrs Pankhurst. She was lifted off the ground by a police officer because the suffragettes were complaining. And so they, they got people chained themselves to railings, threw themselves in front of the, the king's horses and everything else. But it's very interesting. All these, you know, uh, pictures in dazzling colour. Hand, hand painted, really, really quite wonderful. Also, Storm Nate. There's a name for a storm, isn't it? Leaving a trail of chaos as flooding hits America. They just seem to be getting it, don't they? Every which way but. And Margaret Thatcher showing signs of dementia in the lo- last year at number 10, claims Ken Clark. Uh, the other story God's own country. The radical plan to unify Yorkshire under powerful elected mayor. Proud Yorkshire folk may refer to their homeland as God's own country, but they could soon be heading towards being a nation in their own right. Momentum's building to devolve major powers to the region that will unify it as a country within a country. 
And it's very interesting because this uh, this historic county, split into multiple council areas, could gain a powerful single mayor who will make key decisions and hopes to rival London for foreign investment and government funds. Woo! Crikey. Because Yorkshire, 14 medals at Rio. 15 for Hungary, but uh, Yorkshire, top of the list there. Population in millions, 5.3 million. Annual income for Yorkshire, 113 billion. 113 billion, which makes it uh, definitely the richest. Uh, Wales, annual income, 56 billion. Population, 3 million. And uh, the United Kingdom, 1.9 trillion. That's our annual income. Population, 65 million. I always, used to, I always used to get confused about how many people lived in the country. And they go, what, I used to say, is it 65 or 66 million? So at the moment, we're sort of borderline on 65 million. Britain's top style queen, it's Princess Charlotte, aged two. She's already proving one of the country's most influential fashion icons. Because every time this poor child wears an item of clothing, they tell you where it comes from and this shop sells out whoever it happens to be. So searches on eBay increased tenfold on her second birthday when official photos were released of her wearing a yellow cardigan. It sold out at John Lewis. Because people... I don't know why people look... Do they think... I don't, oh, I can't work it out. Is it because people have never seen children's clothes before? Or it's because they sort of see it and go, oh, that's quite pretty. But anyway, uh, a Liberty print smock dress worn by Charlotte on the Royal Tour of Germany saw a sixfold increase in internet searches. People go, oh, wait, wait, I want that. I want my, my child to look like her there. A Duchess, uh, the Duchess of Cambridge, herself a major trendsetter, chooses her daughter's wardrobe. An eBay spokesman says Princess Charlotte has the biggest spend power of the royals this year. Amazing, isn't it, really, that, you know, things are... Si- it's like toys. You know, you see a toy and, and they go, oh, we want that. Like, people have never seen these things before. Perhaps parents are very much influenced by the media. More than I think. More than I think. Birthdays today. Brian Blessed, 81 today. David Cameron's uh, birthday it is today as well. And Sharon Osborne. Sharon Osborne is 65, said to be worth 171 million. 171 million pounds. So uh, we like Sharon. I like her. She's sort of feisty. She had to appeal to the crowd at the X Factor. They're a bit, bit rowdy, aren't they? But there again, you would expect them to be. And uh, sort of saying, well, we'll think about this. Bit. And they keep putting people through. But it's, it's, it's all just a bit of, a bit of sort of nothing, really. Uh, also, uh, a WPC in the paper who was uh, stalked online by an officer she jilted. That's the trouble nowadays, isn't it? Why do people never think that they are going to be... Fa- it always amazes me that you see people on the, on the television. There's a new series of Can't Pay, We'll Take It Away, which is, I've suddenly realised, much as though I love it, and I do enjoy the people on there. It is the same thing all the time. They turn up at somebody's house, and it's a case if they haven't paid. And uh, we had uh, a woman the other day, it must be part of the news series, shouting at the bloke, get out of my house, get out, mum, get out of the house. It turned out she hadn't paid anything. She was just living, you know, rent-free. These people said so they have to send around the bailiffs. There was another bloke who'd been a struck-off dentist, and they took his car, but he said it was the wife's. Turned out it was the wife's. He had to bring the blooming thing back again. And then I watched another programme in America, which is very popular, called Bait Car. Have you ever seen Bait Car? Bait Car is where the police in Los Angeles take a car, and it's generally a 4 by 4 and they put it into an area where, quite clearly, there are people who want to pinch the car. And they put it there, and they have a police officer, who's obviously not dressed as a police officer, who gets out of the car. They make a big song and dance. I'm going to go and do this. And they leave the car open with the keys in it. And then they time it. 
to see how long it takes before somebody pinches it. And in this particular instance, sometimes it's minutes. Literally minutes before somebody walks past it, looks and goes, the keys are in it. They jump in it and they take it for a spin around the block. But what they don't know is that the bait car is basically there to catch them out. I'm sure in this country they'd have put police officers and lawyers go, but wait a minute, this is entrapment. Can't have things like this. And so they pinch it. But inside the bait car there are cameras filming the people and they have the power to turn the car off. So they then go, OK, bait car's on the move, turn it off. And then all of a sudden it locks the doors. And then the police surround the car and go, get out, hands up, and all that kind of stuff. And so they get pinched. And it's amazing the lies that they come up with. All these, One of the kids the other day who, who pinched, they said, what were you doing? Getting into this car wasn't yours. Please, sir, I was taking it to the police station. No, you weren't. You were thieving it. That's what you were doing. But it's, then you realise, once you've watched one bait car, you've watched the entire series. Because then they go, and up next on whatever channel it is, bait car. And you go, so they're going to put the car in an area where they're obviously quite poor and they haven't got a car like this, and they're going to pinch it, and they're going to be arrested and thrown into prison. I mean, it's, you know, but the, the bloke was saying, well, wait a minute, officer, you know, if you saw a wallet on the ground and you opened it up and it had $1,000 in it, you'd take the money, wouldn't you? Be honest, you'd take the money. Of course, the officer goes, no, I wouldn't. But I asked a friend of mine the other day, if we were going through Regent's Park on a Sunday morning and there was a wallet on the ground or a little bag and I opened it and there was a big bundle of £50 notes, I mean, me being honest, I would hand it into the local police station. That's what I'm telling you. Uh, but I would. I would I would hand it in because I would hope that nobody had claimed the blooming thing. And the law says you have to hand it in. But but he said he would keep the money. And that's what people do nowadays. People people listen, if they thieve from shops, they would they would definitely if they found a wallet on the street, the first thing they'd be doing is taking the money out of it. Money, credit cards, and that's what you'd be doing. So, you know, you can't trust anybody nowadays, can you? Even in can't pay, we'll take it away. People sit there lying. Have you got any money? There was one woman started shouting at her son. She said, this is £5,000. When she paid it, she suddenly realised that the week before it had been 3600 but the bailiffs had added their fee onto it. And she went to her son, why didn't you tell me about this? She said, I'll have to pay it. So she paid the 5000 The son was the biggest drip under the sun. He, he, together with his son, they had a decorating business, but they just let themselves get into debt. So his poor mother had to pay it. She said, we could have saved a fortune if you told me about it. But people don't. They shove it away to one side and they don't tell people. Always, always, t- always talk to somebody if you get into debt. Citizens advice, the bank, whoever it is, talk to somebody. Because somebody somewhere can help you before you get that on the door. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 7 Monday morning. I think today's going to be uh, weather-wise a little bit sort of wet and... You know, breathe. it's leaves everywhere. Have you noticed? Leaves everywhere. Dreadful. Nick Ferrari is with you at seven o'clock this morning. The Prime Minister will consider Boris Johnson's future in a possible ministerial shake-up. But is Theresa May stronger with Boris Johnson in or out of the Cabinet? The universal credit system has been attacked by councils who fear rent arrears and eviction notices could soar under the imminent rollout. What can be done to stop it happening? And Nick will be joined live by the former Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg. He'll tell him How to Stop Brexit, which is the title of his new book. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 on LBC. Uh, Somebody says, I love the way, Steve, LBC have to remind us on the trail for Ian Dale's phone-in who the PM actually is. Well, some people might not know. They might not. They might have forgotten. They might think it's Tony Blair. They might get confused. But she's going to be with Ian Dale tomorrow and she'll take your calls 
And I should imagine, if you can get in first before Ian Dale thinks about it, it'll be a case of, you know, how much longer can Boris survive? Will you be getting rid of him? Will Philip Hammond go? There'll be a whole list of people, you know. What is she going to do to, uh, to show her teeth? Uh, Johan says, apart from the Euro Millions being won in Spain, uh, four Brits won just under a million each for matching five numbers. Guess we have to wait for the next rollover. See, I think just under a million's OK. Don't you think so? I mean, I'd be, I'd be more than happy with that. just under a million. That'd be good. Uh, re-bin collections. Start recycling properly. Where I live, they collect bins one week, recycle the next, never have an overload of rubbish to get rid of. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have to occasionally chase them up, I think, to get the recycling bins emptied. On a census form, they can ask me my religious affiliations. A good opportunity to be flippant. And uh, facetious, Jedi Knight seems to be a popular choice, though paganism is the only true deeply rooted but unrecognised British religion. Anything else is imported. It's, I mean, do people really bother about anything nowadays? Do they really? I don't think so. Wakefield, apparently, is, uh, is home to uh, the award-winning Barbara Hepworth Sculpture Gallery. Hepworth made the huge 1960s installation on the wall of John Lewis in Oxford Street. Roger Foss is listening and living in Manchester City Centre. Lovely Roger Foss. Lovely Roger. Do you remember we used to use Roger all the time, talking about theatre? Lovely man, honestly. Morning, Roger. Nice to have your company this morning. Thank you. Grateful that you joined me. Grateful for anybody actually joining me. I didn't know. I've heard of Barbara Hepworth, but I didn't know about that uh, installation. They call it an installation, don't they, now? There was a Banksy the other day that they they brought back from somewhere. Apparently, it was sort of uh, somebody... It was on the wall of a toilet... Or something. I quite like... I wish Banksy had come and paint something in my studio. I'd be more than happy for him to do that. But it, it could be classed as vandalism, couldn't it, really? Sort of people coming round going, we're going to paint this. But some of them go for fortunes. But you've got to buy the whole wall. But they've done this one. The council sprayed over it, or somebody sprayed over it. And they've had to take all the paint off meticulously to find the Banksy underneath. I'm totally convinced we had, we had one at the back of a building we were in some years ago next to a funeral director. It was only... It was a, it was a cat holding a tray. Because there's one... The, the one which they restored the other day is a policeman snorting a line of cocaine. And uh, I don't know when he does these things. Does he do a, a template and then just spray it? Or is he actually painting things? I, just, I, I don't quite understand art. Tracy Emin did the unmade bed, which I never quite got at all, because you might, you might as well say that this studio is an art installation because I've got a coffee cup in here. They could just call it The Studio you know, set of newspapers in there, because that's all the unmade bed was. Although the now latest thing she's doing is, is saying that she's not had FEX for about nine years. She said she's, it doesn't bother her in the slightest. It's not a case of she's sort of waiting for something to happen. She said she's just not bothered about it. A bit like I've sort of given up on drink. Not, not sort of, not given up on it, but it just doesn't interest me at the moment. When I read about that premiership footballer who had paid these escorts £500 each and downed two bottles of Baileys, all I kept thinking was, ugh, how all, I don't mind a Baileys with ice and maybe a brandy thrown in it. I know it's an odd combination, but it works for me. Uh, but even even I sort of kind of went, oh, dear, two bottles of... God, that must have been sick-making, sick-making. And then he asked for his money back. Didn't kind of work, did it, really? Uh, front page of the... Pa- Let's do the front pages so you know the stories that they're talking about today. Uh, one is the sick hunters on the mirror. You won't like the story if you're an animal lover, which I am. They're cashing in now. First of all, they they kill elephants for their tusks. And now they're cashing in because they want their skin. I mean, you just can't believe people would actually do that. Uh, Angelina Jolie says, I'll be a honey trap to snare a warlord. 
they're, they're after evil Joseph Coney. Um, he's what, wanted for all sorts of things, but Angelina said that she will be the honey trap to snare him. I didn't realise that Angelina Jolie has got tattoos all over her back. Bit odd, isn't it, really? Uh, the Great Bin Collection Scandal. Desperate Brits. I don't think we've ever been called desperate, thank you very much indeed. Paying for private waste firms to pick up uh, things because apparently you're not getting your rubbish collected in some areas of the country until about once every sort of three weeks. Which means by that time, I mean, if, if you've thrown away food... Most people have waste disposals, don't they, in their kit? Not everybody, I appreciate, but a lot of people have waste disposals in their, in their kitchens now. And you can, uh, you can sort of put all this stuff in certain bins. But I'm just, I'm just, I just can't be bothered to start faffing around with taking that out of there and putting that into there. You just don't want to. But some people are, are very, very bad at doing it. I would have to include myself. I am very bad at doing recycling. I know. It's embarrassing, isn't it, really? But uh, there you go. That's me for you. Uh, the Daily Star, Russell Brand, claiming he's lost £10 million. I don't believe he has, actually. I'm not sure if this story has been picked up from the Sunday papers. and Nobody's actually checked with him, because he's living in a £3 million house. How he could lose £10 million, I don't know. He says he's sort of given money away and done all sorts of things. Uh, the weather's going balmy. We're set for sizzling 21 degrees. Typical, isn't it? You bring a big thick coat with you because it's freezing in the morning and they go, we're sizzling. The Dove advert makes all the papers today. This is a black woman who's apparently used the soap and then she removes her top to reveal she's a white woman and, and, and then an Asian woman. And you think to yourself, you know, I mean, Dove have actually apologised. They say it doesn't represent the diversity of real beauty, something we're passionate about. Oh, cobblers. What a load of old rubbish. Surely you must have thought that that was going to be offensive to just about everybody. You must. I mean, seriously, you can't be that dim. I mean, is that the advertising agency? I'd fire them immediately because it's just ridiculous. So a, a, a black woman sits there, uses the soap, takes the top off and she's a white woman. That is just grossly offensive. Whichever way you look at it, you can't make that, you know... Any way appealing. We're into diversity. I don't think you are. I don't think you are. Uh, Louise, the bore Redknapp, the truth about me, Jamie and Daisy. She made me feel sexy. La, 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 la. Fingers in your ears. We don't want to know about that kind of stuff, do we? Thank you very much indeed. The sun. So they've spread her over the front pages. Poor old Louise Redknapp. The funny thing is, when you see her normally, she's quite plain and dreary. And now they've sort of stick her in a bra. And, uh, and, and so she thinks she's selling sex to you. Why I left Jamie. Who cares? I really couldn't... Sorry? No. Producer said he wouldn't recognise... Well, she didn't walk down your street. That's why. Nobody walks down your street. You drive down with the doors locked. You don't do anything else. Goodness sake. Also, who cares? Some average singer from a group called Eternal from Donkeys years ago who did a bit of dancing and then some woman who's admitted to crossing over to the dark side every so often says that you're really attractive and then she tells you why she left Jamie. Oh, we don't care. I'm sorry to burst your little bubble, dear, but nobody cares in the country. I really am not remotely interested. Nobody's interested. Get on with your life. Just do it. Don't embarrass yourself. Make yourself look silly. Ryan Scare, fury at the airline. Safety engineers in hijinks at depot. The more I hear about Ryanair and the more I hear about Michael O'Leary, the more I think, I don't want to fly Ryanair. I really don't. I'm just not interested. The safety checks... Uh, and the staff performing vital safety checks have been snapped playing crazy pranks, feet from feet from jets. That's what people do nowadays, isn't it? And then they get caught and they go, oh, we didn't know about that. Sorry about that. Pranks while sort of checking them. And um, 
And they've written all sorts of things over the, the tales of the plane, some of it totally unrepeatable for a, uh, a quality programme such as this. And um, apparently, you know, this is to make sure that the planes... Are, I, I couldn't care less, really. It's a budget airline. They've uh, not handled things very well. And Michael O'Leary, I don't think... You know, I'm sure he's a charming man, but to be honest with you, I'm not really interested. Uh, I thought I was fat, says Louise Redknapp. Yeah, dear. Same as I thought I was thin. And she says, and Daisy told me I was gorgeous. My pal made me rethink life. Oh, God, Albert's on this line. world is full of drips. No sex, please. It's the census. The gender question has been axed. So uh, plans for the next census to not require people to declare if they're male or female. Perhaps it's, I mean, mind you, I should imagine there will be some stupid people in the country who don't know if they're male or female. Take all your clothes off. Stand in front of the mirror. OK, done it. That tells you whether you're male or female. I learned the other day how to tell if a per is male or female. If it's male, I think it's only got three nodules at the bottom. And if it's if it's male, or is it female four? That's how you tell if a pepper is male or female. Who cares? I'm not planning on going out with a pepper anytime soon. But, you know, just in case you were, you want to make sure you get the right one. It's like earrings, isn't it? You remember years ago, if you had an earring in at school... Well, I mean, we didn't. I didn't go to one of those schools. We didn't, didn't have that sort of thing. But uh, if you saw somebody walking down the street and they had an earring, if it was in... Was it the right side, it meant you were straight. If it was in the left-hand side, it meant you were gay. And then for people who had an earring in both sides, it meant they were both. And I never, I never understood that one either, actually. All got a bit confusing. Uh, the swine. Here he is. We'll name him again. This is uh, uh, a Dutchman called Jesse Maitman. What a horrible piece of work you are, Jesse. Very callous. He meets a girl on holiday. He tells her, oh, you're really gorgeous. She's not. Uh, no, seriously. No, there's no, you know. I mean, seriously. Um, come on. You know, I'm one of those sort of people. You know, you've got to tell people. You know, you'd be better. If you maybe ate at the salad bar a bit more. Anyway, he meets her on holiday. They have a few drinks. She thinks she's gorgeous. He sleeps with her. Sorry to break this to you at Monday breakfast. And uh, she then goes home. Ooh, I love him. Ooh, I love him. And uh, so she spends 350 quid. She goes back out to see him again, only in uh, in Dutch place. And uh, and he goes, no, I don't want to... She, she phones from the airport. Hiya, it's me. And he goes, no, dear. No, it's a pig joke. Only slept with you because it's a pig joke, okay? And so I've got no into. <laughs> so she gets all upset, gets on another plane, goes back home again, and he says, That's what it is, it's a pig joke. And so Sophie's really upset because she thought that he was really interested. Of course he's not. He's on holiday. He's like most idiots on holiday. They, they have notches on their bedposts. How many people can they be friends with? And you were it. I mean, she's very unhappy. He has no comment at all. I mean, you know, there must be a thing for completely stupid uh, Dutch blokes. And I would think, Jesse, you're top of the list, matey. Top of the list. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, a lot of people telling me about Euro Millions. It's been won. Yeah, all right. Don't go on about it. I understand it's been won by somebody in Spain. Actually, I've got some friends in Spain. I wonder if it's them. <laughs> It'd be funny, isn't it? Because I've never met anybody who's won the lottery before. I mean, I've won. I won the other day. £5.60. I wrote back, I said, please do not insult me. Please do not tell me I won £5.60. I was looking for something a little bit more than £5.60. Just under a million would be great, wouldn't it? As a little sort of, you know, a little investment. You can, you know, just under a million, you could put in the bank, leave it there. That could see me through for a couple of weeks. I could get used to that. I mean, you couldn't move or spend a lot of money. Well, not down here, you can't. 
Seriously, if you bought another place, you know, two-bedroom flat round my way, 700,000. I could move out of the London area. Who wants to? Everything, everything is convenient where I am. It's just, you know, a friend of mine's moved out to Buckinghamshire, which is quite pretty out there, but he has children, and you get a better quality of life. You get a garden. You know, I mean, in London, if you want a house with a garden round my way, you're looking in excess of a million pounds. Just for, and they're not exactly that... Po- you know, if you're spending a few million... I did look at a house the other day. I wasn't going to buy it. It's three million pounds, OK? So there's no chance. It doesn't matter. Um, and it's architecturally designed. And it's all on different layers. And sometimes you walk across glass and it's got a nice sized garden. It's got everything. The only thing it's not got, which of course is actually de rigueur for me, I wanted a swimming pool. And it doesn't have a swimming pool. It does have off-street parking, which I think is a very important thing. to. In London, it's very important. Because parking, left, right and centre, I mean, it's just like, pfft, I don't know how people afford to do it. You cannot afford to do it. It's so, so difficult. But anyway, soon be Christmas. We get excited. Well, it'd be Halloween first, and then we'd have bonfire night, and then we want Christmas. And then we've got my show at the Hippodrome. So it's all happening, isn't it? Uh, so Thomas Schaffernacker, I mentioned him at the beginning of the programme. He reads the weather, and uh, he's taken his uh, shirt off before now. He's a bit buff. But he has another talent, apart from he can read the weather and look at blue screen and green screen and all the rest of it. He's a fantastic artist. I mean, he's, I mean, seriously, a fantastic... I've never seen anything like it. You look at the pictures in the papers today. The best ones are in the, uh, the mail. He's done uh, Harrison Ford and he's done Judy Dench. The Harrison Ford and the Judy... You think they're photographs. He's that good. I mean, seriously, I cannot cannot praise him enough. He's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So he, he goes up. I've just, my, my, my friends in Spain, Chris and Steve, said it wasn't us. Oh, well, I'll have to cancel the begging letter I've sent you, just in case it was you for 160, 168 million. Can you imagine somebody living in Spain, sort of, you know, by the coast or something. They go, 168 million? Whew, blimey. That would change your life, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, not for much. I begin to wonder how quiet you could keep it. Could you keep 168 million quiet? I reckon I could. I reckon I could keep that quiet and uh, and sort of and get another house, furnish it and another car. And then when so, you know, friends of mine come down from Manchester or wherever or Leeds, and you can go, oh, I, I bought this house. And then show, I wonder if you could keep that quiet or would somebody leak it to somebody? I don't know. I don't know whether you could trust anybody. You know, I'm going to tell you something now, but you mustn't tell anybody. Of £168 million. Pounds. It'll be around the building in five minutes, wouldn't it? No secrets whatsoever. Daily Express front page. Balmy Britain set to bask in 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, God. Just when I can't bear my legs. But <laughs> ever again, I don't think. Nigella Lawson, the real secret behind my success. It's because it just works, doesn't it? It's like Mary Berry. Why is she successful? Because it just works. People trust her. May warns the EU, that's Theresa May, at the balls in your court. And uh, inside, time off ill, not on your life. A lot of people now do not. uh, They'd have to be in hospital before they take a day off sick. I don't like being off sick. In fact, I'll do anything not to be off sick. I I don't want to be off sick. I seriously don't. I don't. I don't know what to do if I'm off sick. I sit at home staring at the walls, thinking, "What am I doing?" I'd rather come into work. I'm happiest in work because that's that's where you, that's where you get the most the most fun, isn't it? The most uh, the most pleasure. Daily Mail today. Quentin Letts doesn't like Richard Branson. He says he's Britain's most patronising swine. You don't see that word written very often, do you? Swine. Well, you do in case of that girl who went over to Spain. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, the Netherlands, to see if she could hook up with that bloke again. Gender-neutral census. Declaring your sex in the next survey could be optional. Uh, 
I don't want to. I mean, I just, I just, I do fill in the census. I do try and be as honest as possible. But if it's something to do with religion, what's that got to do with anybody? It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't make any difference. But they're trying to find out if we're a religious country, if we're, you know, if we're becoming a Muslim country or becoming atheist or Christian or Roman Catholic or Jewish. It doesn't matter what it is. There's so many different religions. I never, I never care about anybody's religion. I couldn't care less. I've got friends of every persuasion. You know, some follow their religion. Some people don't follow their religion. Some people follow their religion for the benefit of their parents. But in theory, they're not. You know, come round here on a Saturday night, you'll see lots of Muslim boys drinking and things like that. And, you know, I told you before, I did a, a thing at a cinema and I was talking to the, to the bloke about how difficult it is and so expensive to go to the cinema. He said, yeah, Saturday night, he said, we get all the Muslim boys in with their girlfriends. They all sit in the back row. They don't want their parents to know about things. I said, well, there you go. Why not? Goodness sake, live and let live. So much easier. Uh, the picture on the movie Goddess, uh, of the movie Goddess, it's Rackle Welsh. Unrecognisable. But there again, she's 77. Uh, also, uh, this is Harvey Weinstein, who flirted with Hayley Atwell before telling her she ate too much and looked like a fat pig. He's been given a dressing down by Emma Thompson, and I think he's stepped down from his own company. I think they've actually pushed him down from his own company. Um, and uh, the Hollywood stars, there are some, actually, who have not said anything. They're calling it the silence of the lovies. They're saying they should be saying something because his sexual harassment, he's apparently been paying money to people for, for some years. But I was told years ago, in fact, I don't think it's any secret, is it? Um, that, in fact, one of the studios, they would have a break in the afternoon for Nookie. And the owner of the studio would be road testing, for want of a better description, uh, the latest actress. There's a very good book called The Casting Couch. And it maintained that 90% of the early Hollywood actresses went through the casting couch. Anyone who didn't was Betty Davis. Because nobody was interested in poor Betty Davis. They were looking for... I mean, Joan, Joan Crawford, when she became famous, she'd made pornographic films. They had to go around and buy them all up again to make sure that that didn't sort of see the light of day. But they did. In fact, in one of them, she played an actress, hoping to get a part by sleeping with the, with the director. So it was quite normal, the casting couch. Selwyn somebody wrote the book. Selwyn somebody, I can't remember who it was. But, uh, and so it, it, it goes on. It goes on. You know, sorry, you want to be famous? Well, you know, you've got to sort of... Selwyn Ford, is it? Right. I did have a copy of it years and years ago, and I remember thinking to myself, this is very interesting. But they said that so many people went through the casting couch. But interesting, in the case of Harvey uh, Weinstein, how many people are not saying anything? People who should be saying something going, were you aware of it? Because it's like people talk, don't they? Everybody in the business, it's, I mean, relatively a small business. People would know. Are they worried that their names are going to come out? Who knows? Who knows? Like every time they expose a Hollywood madam, like uh, Heidi Fleiss some years ago, she had a book with all the famous people who'd been using the services of her girls. And so everybody went very quiet on it. Very quiet. Uh, Louis Threw, front page of The Guardian. Weirdness is going mainstream. It is. The more weird, we, we quite like it. Uh, also, Tory Brexiteers turn their fire on the Treasury. Catalonia's silent majority take to the streets. And the GPs having sleepless nights over fears for patient safety. The I, May, fights back and threatens Boris with the sack. That you'll be asking her tomorrow when she features with, uh, with Ian Dale. The Times, what's it like to live in space? Tim Peake will tell you. Quite interesting, I should imagine. Inmates get themselves locked up to sell drugs. 
There's a surprise. We had them the other day. They were having pizzas delivered, if you please. Uh, May tells EU leaders the ball's in your court. And a cargo ship ran aground at Margate in Kent. This is the 75-metre-long Islay trader carrying broken glass. To go where? Broken glass. And finally, the Telegraph. Today, sack Boris and he will refuse to go, May is warned. And pound coin chaos as shops defy the deadline. So there you go. You can go to a few shops and they will take it. Plus mental health training to help soldiers cope with army life. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Let me say again, thank you so much for all the money that you donated on Friday for Global to make some noise. It's very much appreciated and hopefully we'll be telling you more about where that money has gone to and how much good you've done. Uh, and I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. But there is now another reason to download the LBC iPhone app, as well as listening to LBC wherever you are. You can now listen back to this and all of our other programmes from the last week for free on the new Catch-Up feature. You download the new LBC iPhone app, click on Catch-Up at the bottom. Simple as that, job done. Simples. Coming up at 10, it's James O'Brien. But right now on LBC with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.